Welcome to the She Read, She Said podcast, where we read and discuss books about women written by women. We're your hosts, Megan and Kate. So sit back, settle in, and let the pages come to life. Well, hello there. Welcome. Welcome to a very exciting day. (laughs) I'm so excited. Now, why is it a particularly exciting day today? Number one. We're starting a new series. I am so beyond excited. Today, we are talking all about the first book in the Crescent City series. Crescent City. It's the name of the book and the series. Makes it very easy. But it is also called House of Earth and Blood. Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood. By Sarah J. Mass. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big mouthful. Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J. Mass. There we go. Say that 10 times fast. And number two, for why it is so very special is that today we are also joined by our regular listeners over on our free podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This is a nice Patreon preview for what we do in our Patreon exclusive podcast, which thus far has been all about going through Sarah J. Mass's series. So we have gone through Akatar, just finished Throne of Glass. Oh. What a wonderful journey that was. It was the best. We had so much fun. We got very emotional in the best way possible. And we were doing it with our lovely patrons, which just made it even more wonderful. That was so amazing because our patrons, I think especially for Throne of Glass, got really into it and they just had such a heart for it just as we did. Mm -hmm. So I've said before, Throne of Glass is my favorite series. So doing that with all of our patrons, that was just the absolute best experience. And now we get to do Crescent City. It's the only way that leaving behind Throne of Glass felt even remotely okay was knowing that we just get to jump into another world that I adore. Yeah. And I was really excited because like Throne of Glass, I've never read Crescent City And I don't know anything about it, or I didn't know anything about it before reading this Mm -hmm. book. So it's been really fun for me to jump in completely blind, Mm -hmm. except for one or two things, to a new world and new characters and all of that with our patrons as well. Yes. So today, like we said, all of our listeners are here and present. For our normal listeners who are not a part of Patreon, this will just give you an insight into the kind of conversations we have just what's going on in the book series. So if you want to go join us over on Patreon, the link to sign up is in our show notes. We would love to have you over there. We also take listener questions and thoughts and hot takes and share those during our episodes, as well as we do recap episodes where we have some fun with our characters in our worlds. We do some reflection on kind of the story a lot of times like midway through a series or something like that. We also do boyfriend-girlfriend rankings. We are known to do boyfriend-girlfriend rankings. We'll see this time if we'll keep up with some birth chart zodiac placements. Mm-hmm. We kind of take each series and just see what feels fun for that specific series. So we're known to talk about characters and really just get into all of the things that made us laugh, cry, and emotional barf. Because we do a lot of that. We do, we a, do lot a lot of, of that. Laugh, cry, barf (laughs) over on our Patreon. So I'm so excited to get into Crescent City and just see what that looks like for us. Because as always, we just like to get on here and chat about 
what we love about a book. Yeah. Which luckily for us is oftentimes what you guys love to (laughs) chat about and read about and all the things. And you've been sharing that with us, which has just been so fun. So today is a new series, new episode, new beginning. And I am so excited to get into all the things because you and I really haven't talked too much about this book. No, we have not. There may be some reveals some shocks, some surprising emotions. I can't wait. But really quick, before we dive in, since this is on our normal podcast as well, we are going to do our typical spoiler-free, who is this book for? So for any of you who are just tuning in to kind of hear, what's the vibe? What's going on? Is this for you? We're going to answer that real quick. So Megan... Yes. Who would you say this book is for? I would say this book is for anyone who, first of all, is a fan of SJM Mm -hmm. right off the bat. But I think if you love fantasy and you're open to reading more of an urban fantasy, Mm -hmm. something that has a little bit more grit to it, it has a wonderful romance, but it also has a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. There is some political oppression. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a world with public crucifixions and Mm -hmm. there's guns. (laughs) There are guns (laughs) and there are phones. So I think if you really love fantasy and I don't know, you want to just maybe stick your tone to something that is a little bit more gritty in that way. Yeah, and just very unique. I think it just has a little bit of everything that there's a lot of the humor that comes from a more modern setting. Some things I think are really relatable because of that, but also having all of the with the magic, the different races, because there's shifters, there's fae, there's angels, there's sprites, lots of lots of mishmashing of mythology, Mm -hmm. and just all of the things that you get in small pieces and other fantasies. Yeah, they've all been thrown into one world. So I think in a lot of ways, it's the best of all of the worlds, quite literally. Yeah, I agree. And there's also otters. There's also otters that deliver mail. This is a big thing for me, at least. It's very important. It's very important. So on top of all of that, if you love otters, maybe check this one out. This might be for you. I think you will laugh. I think you will cry. I think you will emotionally barf. Mm -hmm. And you'll be trying to figure out what is going on and why are people getting murdered. There you go. (laughs) probably all we should say (laughs) in our spoiler-free territory. So now we're going into spoilers. We're getting into chit-chat. If you haven't read it, please go. Come back later. We'll be here waiting for you. Okay. Now that they're gone. We can talk about what we actually think about this book. Spoken salt. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, let me ask you. All right. I'm like, it's nice to finally just be able to talk about it openly. <laughs> I know, Megan and I have been so close-lipped around each other because we read at the same time. And sometimes we come in and we're like, oh, this character is just driving me nuts. Or like, oh, we're yeah. just kind of saying our little feels as we're reading. But we were really good this time that we, we didn't chit-chat about anything. But because you have not read this before, I want to ask you first. Okay. What were your just first reactions, impressions, feelings on the book as a whole? First off, because this was my first impression, and I think we'll probably get into this a little bit more in a minute, but I was overwhelmed with the world building mm-hmm. aspect of the story. Sure. And when I say that, it doesn't mean that I didn't like it. It's just the first, I want to say like a hundred pages. I was just trying to find my footing into what I actually thought about really anything. <laughs> Because it was so much information to receive. Mm -hmm. 
And looking back once I finished the book, I don't know how else she could have written it in a way to not make it feel that way, to get all mm-hmm. that information across. Because, because there's so much. And you need it. Mm-hmm. But being in it, I just felt really untethered. Like, I don't know what I'm feeling about this story <laughs> or where this is going. Things like that. So that was my immediate reaction. Immediate 50 to 100 page reaction. Yes. Because, man, that was wild. And you've told me that that is a similar experience with a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. From what I've gathered during my limited bouts on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) So you're really well informed. I'm really well informed. (laughs) But I've gathered that there's a consensus that just getting in to this book can be a little rough just in terms of comprehension Mm -hmm. of what is going on in this world. Like, what is this world? Yeah. And I've never had an issue with world building. Like, I've never really felt overwhelmed by that. So that was just kind of a new thing. But that being said, once I got past that piece, I was so, like, honestly, utterly surprised how much I loved this book. Because an urban fantasy wouldn't be my personal go-to. I tend to like grittier things and grittier shows. I love a good murder mystery. I love true crime stuff. I love all of like those aspects in entertainment in other things. I didn't expect this book to be like an actual mishmash of all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know like what I expected the story <laughs> to be, but I didn't expect that. I don't even know how I would succinctly describe this story. If you, no. I just had to give a description with one sentence because there are so many elements. There's so many things and I I was flabbergasted at how much I cried through this book. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was genuinely surprising because getting into it, I mean, we're going to go into all this stuff, but like, it's like, okay, like there's the world building and here's our characters and okay, there's a nice friendship and Mm -hmm. oh, there's maybe a romance and never mind, they're dead. (laughs) Like I was just like, what is this story? Like, where are we going with Mm -hmm. this? And so just to come off of that and be flung into such a strong love for our heroine and for her relationships and for her and Hunt and just some of the things that came up in this book hit me really hard on a really personal level. Yeah. Like there were some sentences being thrown around that it's like, I feel like this book is speaking to me. Mm -hmm. Like this was written for me. It was one of those reader moments where you're like, oh my God, it's the shared human connection thing. Like the stars have aligned to bring you this book. At this time. Yeah. Which is just the most wonderful experience for everyone who's ever experienced that. So to go from that and then to just be like so in it with them and then to get to that final 200 page stretch yeah it's just like holy god my impression of this book was that it was an emotional roller coaster in the most wonderful fun beautiful way looking at my notes just prepping for our episode i was getting emotional i was like tearing (laughs) up at things it made me want to reread it immediately Mm -hmm. like when i finished the book i was like i could actually sit down and just reread this yeah and i would be so happy and just in it just as much as the first read so it was just a massive surprise because i had no idea what to expect and then i came out the other side a bit emotional and really happy and feeling good (laughs) and really hungry for the next one. Mm -hmm. So how about you? Because this is your second read. This is my second read. And as our patrons know, that sometimes means nothing in terms of my memory. Which is hilarious because I would have a reaction to something if I was ahead of you and you're like, I don't know what you're referencing. (laughs) (laughs) I would go and ask Megan like, okay, where are you? And you told me at one point, like, I just got to the bombing at the White Raven. And I was like, what? What? Oh, I can't spoil the book for you. <laughs> you. I was like, you have to stop telling me where you at. Like, give me a page number. 
But that being said, I remembered a lot of big things and like big moments in the book. I think the things that I forgot were just kind of like the little plot pieces. And I remember Micah having something to do with something. Like uh-huh. I couldn't remember if he was guilty of everything or just one piece of something like those kinds of details. Mm-hmm. I re- I very distinctly remember a vacuum. Those are the kinds of things that stuck with me because I did read it years and years ago. I read this book before I read Throne of Glass. So for whatever my memory was of Throne of Glass, like this was going to be worse because this happened before Throne of Glass. (laughs) But that being said, I had a similar experience, I think both times, which was very similar to yours, of getting into the world building it wasn't this time that i was confused i was just more trying (laughs) i was trying so hard to commit it to memory yeah because when i went into it this time i just knew that the world was going to be a mismatch of things so i had just accepted it which when you just know and accept it i think that just makes it easier to jump in Mm -hmm. however because we're gonna come here and talk (laughs) about it on a podcast Podcast. (laughs) we have to remember things (laughs) i was trying so hard to commit everything to memory and i realized that that first chunk to me it's so different from other books Mm -hmm. because you're leading up to the pack's death but you don't know that yeah so in other books there's usually something that's presented like in the hunger games the reaping is looming even though you're not at the reaping right away like it's looming you know it's coming this book there's nothing that's looming no so the first 50 pages it really is just world building and then you're kind of trailing along with bryce and i had that feeling of like okay this is why it probably feels overwhelming for world building because it's not in conjunction with the plot yet yeah because sarah's going for a shock factor moment which sets you up for the rest of the book again it's needed it's absolutely needed but i think that's probably why like you and i and maybe other people just in that first part it's kind of like okay what is going on because even bryce doesn't really have a direction as a character like we as readers just like don't know where the story's going yet yep (laughs) you get to that point it's like oh holy shit And then the rest of the story takes off beautifully. So for me, it was the same thing of like, okay, I'm just trying to commit this to memory. And then once we got to that part and like Bryce running through the street, it's like, okay, I am so emotionally in it. Like you said, I cried so much. I laughed so much. Emotional barfing was bound to happen. I was so invested in the story. Bryce is a heroine that I can just get behind. And like you said, I think there were just certain things this time that hit me so much harder. I think out of a lot of the heroines we've read, there are so many just like modern day things that I find personally so relatable Yeah, that I feel like a lot of women could just find relatable. Her and Hunt's romance, Mm -hmm. it hit me a lot harder this time. Like I was just really enjoying it on like such a deeper level. Yeah. It was so fun to go through. And also because I was like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Where it's like, I felt safe because Mm -hmm. I knew who lived and who died. Okay. So I didn't have that stress. But it was also fun because I was like, I also don't know any of the actual details that are what makes up the plot. (laughs) So some of it was a mystery (laughs) while also feeling a little bit safer in it. Well, I do want to address a couple things. I did have a couple spoilers going into this book. Okay. Where with Akatar and Throne of Glass, I knew nothing. I was completely blind. So mm-hmm. in this, thanks to TikTok, which I quickly swiped away from, I knew that Bryce and Hunt were going to be romantically involved. Mm-hmm. So first off, when we meet Connor, I was like, oh, it's this kind of story. (laughs) Next, I want to address your misleading words to me. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm very devious. Yes, I was very upset. 
So a couple days ago, before we read the book, Megan and I went on a little walk mm-hmm. and we had come out of our cave and I was just trying to make conversation about Crescent City, kind of like, aren't you so excited to read this? And I said, are you so excited where you're going to meet Bryce and Danica and Connor and the whole pack? Like, are you so excited to meet them? And she was like, yep, I am. And you seem to get excited. I don't know these names. So I'm like, oh, this is what the group dynamic is going to look like. And I did that on purpose because I did want to lure you into a false sense of security. Because she's mean. Because it's hilarious. So when certain people died, mm-hmm. Megan did, I'm going to use the word storm, into I did. the room. I stomped. You stomped into the room. And you did let me have it a little bit for <laughs> <laughs> misleading you slightly. Because I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, okay, so Danica and the pack are just dead then. <laughs> Is this real? Because at first I was like, no, like maybe there was some misunderstanding. <laughs> There's a misunderstanding. I'm like, they're no. in piles, so maybe mm. it's not them, mm-hmm. which is the most grotesque thing <laughs> in the whole if world. If they're a pile, it could be anything. It, it could, could be, be anything. When I read that, I was like, wait, is she serious? Are they actually dead? Like, it took me a minute to be like, wait, <laughs> I've been lied to. <laughs> So there was that. And then just on like a nicer note, you did show me a picture of the otters before Mm -hmm. we started reading. So you told me that there were otters in it and it made me tear up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Megan hadn't even started the book and I just showed her fan art of the otters that deliver mail. (laughs) Megan like actually got like teary eyed. (laughs) So excited. It was so nice. We're big otter girls. We love otters. Really big otter girls. As some girls are. (laughs) As girls are want to be. So that was my pre-reading knowledge experience exposure yeah that being said that really gave me nothing because i don't think bryce and hunt it didn't take long to be like oh okay yeah there's something going on here i mean it was still a surprise with connor yes because just because you're represented to someone doesn't mean that they're gonna die (laughs) i know and so i was like oh well she seems to like him even Mm -hmm. though she's being resistant she seems to have feelings for him and yes he's you know a shifter and kind of territorial but he seems to genuinely adore her Mm -hmm. and i was like okay i know that there's this other character that they're supposed to have a thing but like i i kind of want to see where this goes and then it went nowhere (laughs) because he died (laughs) it was so fun to lie to you you be careful because book karma is a bitch She thinks she has all the power because she's read these books before. <laughs> Just you wait. It's hilarious <laughs> for me. Well, maybe let's talk a little bit more about the world building. Okay. Because we could do an entire episode, we could do an entire series Mm -hmm. just on the world building alone. Mm -hmm. There's so many different species and areas of town and powers and abilities and personalities and conflicts both at home and abroad. (sighs) So many things. There's a lot of problems, a lot of atrocities, Mm -hmm. a lot of murder, a lot of drug problems. There's a lot to touch on. Yeah. I mean, how did you feel about using all of that in a fantasy setting? I thought it was so fun. Like I said before, it's like you get the best of everything, that there's an extra layer of relatability in a lot of ways. And I thought it was really fun to see all the ways that you take these people with magic and how they fit into a modern day society. So even with the packs and how they're basically born into service to uphold protection in the city. However, that you could say is a form of servitude that you don't have a choice in that seeing how despite the fact that these species have these wild cool powers society is society hierarchy is hierarchy that 
I think it was really interesting to see the way that Sarah interpreted magical people within a very typical patriarchal society where there are all of these problems. You have the Asteri and the human rebels, like things that we are very much experiencing right here, right now in our world. Yeah. And just seeing kind of like how they handle that. So like hunt with the crown tattoo to Mm -hmm. like hold down powers, like the little magical things that you would do to keep people in line and to keep people from rising up against other powerful people. It's like if everyone's powerful, (laughs) it's like how does this play into things? And I think it was really interesting on top of that with Bryce being half human and her being a woman in this world. It's like how are the disparities between class and gender and species instead of race how is that amplified in a lot of ways i thought that that was really interesting and on a lighter note the fun stuff of like otters uh yeah and all of the creatures and like having lehaba in the library and all of the fun stuff that's the stuff that gets me excited but on a bigger level i thought a lot of that was like really interesting to just like sit down and think about because it just does show like power hungry people are kind of the same yeah whether you have magic or not and i like that there's always that sense of groundedness in her worlds that I was happy that that was also extended. Yeah. And I think too, looking at the people who hold the power and the genuine fear that comes from a possible change of the humans all of a sudden being able to have some kind of power, even if it's very brief, that would threaten that hierarchy. Mm -hmm. I thought was really, really interesting to explore. A lot of PR. So much PR. Power PR. Yeah. That was just a really fun thing to kind of look at. I mean, fun in terms of interesting, but also also very difficult at times to read and experience the reality of all that. Yeah. But to see that in a fantasy mm-hmm. setting and obviously SJM has tackled similar issues in her other books. Yeah. But this one just felt a lot more relatable because it is in more of a quote modern mm-hmm. setting. So you can see a little bit more of the direct influence yeah. with some of that. Absolutely. I mean, did you have any other favorites, even if it was just kind of like little stuff that you liked about the world? Uh, Yeah, I had a lot of favorite things. Because why have one when you can have many? When do we ever have one answer for anything? (laughs) God forbid we ever give a direct answer. (laughs) On more of a surface level, I really like the aspects like reality TV and (laughs) Bryce and Hunt taking pictures on his phone. Like I Mm -hmm. loved that despite all of the big dramatic magical based things. There's demons in the street, but also also (laughs) she's changing her name in his phone to be like Bryce Rocks. Mm -hmm. So I love that there was just that sweetness there with some of those things that were just very normal that really normalized them mm-hmm. as people and as a couple and the little things that you do like that with each other and that that's just how life is in the city i think looking more at the world itself i was really really fascinated with the bone quarter mm-hmm. that that was her interpretation of the afterlife it's just you literally go to a different part of the city yeah that was something that the first time i read it i couldn't conceptualize it for whatever reason because i'm someone where i'm like i just need every single answer so i'm like okay if other people die in other cities does each city have an equivalent of a bone quarter because if that's the afterlife that was just something i didn't understand especially when we got to the end and like they were there Mm -hmm. i was like what this time i understood (laughs) it but for whatever reason (laughs) talked about this before that when i was reading like however many years ago i just read so quickly that i don't think i fully understood things at times but this time i understood it better and i liked it a lot better because now i think i'm just more okay with it just being whatever it is you don't need all the details every single detail to understand 
especially if it's something spiritual like the afterlife yeah. that we do not have answers for I, I know i don't think you're gonna get like the nitty-gritty details when it yeah. comes to kind of that realm but on top of the fact that it's just oh it's that part of town it's the bone quarter <laughs> like you can literally go and see it yeah but on top of that when you die there is the sailing. Mm-hmm. So you, you're you not even guaranteed to get in. No. That was really interesting. And obviously, that plays a part in our story with Bryce ensuring Danica's acceptance into the Bone Quarter. Mm-hmm. And also in terms of the water, besides the otters, <laughs> I love that there were mer people. Yeah. An area under the water, which I'm dying to see. I, I mean, I died when Therion's like, ew, this part of the city's gross. Like when he's in the water, because like we just know like nowadays, like water quality is terrible. Oh, yeah, we know what's disgusting. going on in our oceans. So for him to be like, ew, I hate coming to this part of the city. This water's gross. I could, yeah. I could just like see and smell that water, what that would smell like because we grew up near the ocean and like going to the harbor. When you're in in a city where there is the sea, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's just such a specific thing to it. I mean, we grew up in Oceanside. Yeah. So the ocean is right there. <laughs> it was right by the side. But I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I think my favorite use of world building in terms of storytelling, the use of the screens in the climax scene. Oh, like the TV, like the TV screens. screens and then Declan tapping into whatever system they have mm. and watching Bryce in the streets. I never thought that I would get like that excited about the use <laughs> about, of like tech, tech stuff. <laughs> and I'm in this book. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing to have everyone be able to be so involved mm-hmm. in the action. And that go both ways because Bryce is watching the summit on TV. Yeah. And then they're all watching her in the streets the use of technology in that way was so fantastic and compelling yeah Yeah, i actually completely agree with that that the first time i read that i was like this is brilliant that for so much of the story we're not even with bryce for all of it watching it through that lens and using tech if you're gonna present fantasy in a world where there is technology Mm -hmm. like she really does take advantage of it in storytelling and like showing like really big moments i thought that that was such a brilliant use and like i loved being at the summit seeing everyone's reactions watching that so yeah i agree i completely forgot about some of that stuff using that medium everyone gets to see what's going on but you're also incredibly disconnected and unable to help the other person yeah so that i think really just added a layer to the story in terms of characters and where everyone's at at that point i just really loved it i just never thought i would be so crazy about a technology heavy (laughs) urban fantasy book Mm -hmm. but here we are but here we are and we loved it well Speaking of love, our heroine, Bryce Quinlan. What a dear. What a dear. So what did you think of Bryce as the beautiful soul that we followed into this story? I absolutely adored Bryce's character. I mean, first of all, she's funny. We love a funny gal. She made me laugh with 70% of what came out of her mouth. But I think there were just so many aspects of her that I just felt like she really embodied a very big spectrum of womanhood and like the things that she struggled with, even with it's kind of silly and flippant with the alpha hole thing. However, being a woman and trying to navigate how to handle male relationships when a lot of times men can be over bearing or look down on you or treat you as if you don't have any brain like she struggles with the men in her life and feeling like she also has autonomy and finding the balance of when you love someone you want to protect them but also you need to allow them to have space so i think there were just a lot of real world things like that i mean her and loving dan 
dance and music, but also like not having the right body type for it and things like that that are much more prevalent in a modern day setting. I just loved everything with her. I mean, she's smart. She's funny. She's brave. She loves so fiercely, which I think that's always the common thread with Sarah's characters, especially her female characters, is that through love, all is possible. Love is where they find their fighting spirit. It's not for power or anything else. It's from that pure force of love. And I think that was so beautiful to see, again, like in a modern day woman character who she's a girl's girl. She likes getting her nails done. She Mm -hmm. likes being beautiful and like she likes taking care of herself and pampering herself. But also she will slam down. (laughs) She (laughs) will hit the ground running for like the people she loves and she'll get her hands dirty doing it. That I think that that was such a beautiful representation of the female fighting spirit and like the spectrum on which women can exist yeah on that spectrum yeah and i love the contrast and women no matter if you're girly or not like we hold all things mm-hmm. but in stories how women are usually portrayed it's either you're the soft one or you're the badass one yeah and i love how bryce is so girly she's so feminine she mm-hmm. loves jelly jubilee like she <laughs> yeah. has her sparkly things like you said she loves to get her nails done she wears clothing that loves to hug her curves as she should as she should and she has to deal with like you said people thinking that she is stupid that she's less than that she holds the weight of having to bear everyone else's opinion on her on her body on who they think she is but she does it with such strength and i love that it's just her fighting spirit is unyielding when it comes to the people that she loves looking at her buying others freedom Mm -hmm. that she puts herself in debt without another thought like she does these things for others that are so selfless and generous and it's just really heartbreaking i mean even with hunt at the beginning yeah oh my god absolutely how other people perceive her yeah like oh well she likes to drink and party and she does drugs and all that stuff so therefore her worth is less yeah and my god isn't that a real thing i'm like isn't that just like the epitome of womanhood that you stand in a room you wear an outfit whether it is super girly or it's not super girly wherever you land on that spectrum you just stand in a room and a judgment is made i think there was just so much of that because of the modern day stuff that just hit so so hard especially when like a lot of times men in the room are making these statements granted there are some female characters that aren't very nice no yeah it's pretty bad (laughs) it's like really rough everyone (laughs) in this book is so so mean what i really like as a reader on top of all those things about bryce because she keeps her true self to herself Mm -hmm. when it comes to everything her powers yeah who she is the type of person she is reading her it took a minute to sort out okay this is the real Bryce yeah because she is feeling a little I don't know if I want to use the word lost but she's really keeping other people at arm's length yeah besides Danica at the beginning of the book obviously the book it's a journey for her (laughs) it is a whole journey for her into that but I really love that she surprised me like getting to Mm -hmm. know her like when she takes Hunt to the meat market (laughs) and he's like oh my gosh she is so crazy being here like (laughs) she doesn't even understand what she's doing she's naive she thinks she's gonna survive this we're both gonna die here Mm -hmm. and then she like knows everybody in there (laughs) like hi Bryce (laughs) because she knows it's work and (laughs) I love that she's able to surprise obviously the men and other people in her life Mm -hmm. but as a reader it was fun to get to know her that way yeah sorry she's friends with a demon (laughs) 
<laughs> she's like hold on let me summon a demon real hold quick on. i need to call a prince of hell <laughs> please hold he's like he's on speed dial i just love how kind of through every piece of the book there was an element of that yeah even when we're introduced to the fact at the beginning that she knows how to shoot a gun mm-hmm. you're like yeah of course because you're trying to take care of yourself yeah but then when we really see mm-hmm. that she knows how to use a gun that that was just really fun so mm-hmm. i love how alive her character was yeah and really felt like i was getting to know a real person as we went through the book yeah i just loved everything about her i mean there's one line that i'm gonna read because i felt like it just hit me really hard where hunt comes and he apologizes to her for you know thinking she's the party girl for only thinking she's you know this kind of like shallow version of how he's perceived her and she says there's nothing wrong with being a party girl i don't get why the world thinks there is it's easier for me when people assume the worst about what i am it lets me see who they really are yeah and i am obsessed with that like that is kind of a sentiment i live my life by of when you sit in silence it's amazing what people will say to fill that silence and like when you just let people come to you and open their mouths that says everything and a lot of times kindness comes to you yeah but also when people look at you and make assumptions and you don't correct them the extent to which the opposite of kindness (laughs) comes out of their mouths and we see that with hunt that it takes a while yeah for him to really understand those pieces of her and i loved that piece of her saying like there's nothing wrong with this like there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with who i am i think that's a really big part of bryce's character that i really like because it's presented early on that this is a rough world not only because she's a woman but she's half fey half human so that makes her a target for other predator species Mm -hmm. doing god knows what yeah she's not as fast not as strong those kinds of things but bryce is a character that despite that she still takes up space she doesn't cower away from things like she does wear what she wants to wear she does party she does drink she does whatever she wants rune says she'll do whatever she wants (laughs) to do once she sets her sights on it that despite being in a world that could make you feel really small and really cower away from everything that she takes up space yeah that is something i really respect yeah when she goes to confront the fey woman after her horrible date (laughs) it's like okay yes girl (laughs) yeah because like you can make the argument of like oh no that's not smart because what if she then goes out and this fey woman like attacks her all these things but bryce in that that's a lot of courage to take when literally every single day you're being told that you're basically prey for all of the bigger badder predators in the room yeah i mean bryce is choosing to live where she lives yeah she could live in maybe more relative safety where the other humans are but i love that she's like this is where i live yeah these are my friends one of my favorite things is pretty much all of bryce's reveals with hunt (laughs) but i love it when he realizes you're friends with fury your friends with her she has a license to kill in like six <laughs> countries that this is a woman like you said who takes up space who doesn't cower from anything and she really embraces the danger in that way like she has she friends who are dangerous like danica is a dangerous person yeah she does a lot of work that requires her to be so this is her day-to-day reality this is who she texts yeah yes fury's probably off being a mercenary somewhere <laughs> like murdering someone as she's getting this message yeah that i love that about her that she doesn't 
doesn't let again it's that theme of like perceived weakness Mm -hmm. dictate anything that she does yeah and it really does speak to her confidence that knowledge of self like the kind of confidence that can only come from feeling so secure yeah in yourself knowing your capabilities and your worth and her knowing that i am not stupid she's very street smart but like having the confidence that comes from knowing your worth yeah i think you can feel that even when she's at low points she still has that and i love the sentiment that rune reflects on in his inner pov where he's talking about how for both the autumn king who is her father and for her that their power lies not in sheer force but in the control over self and over their impulses that bryce does like get in people's face or like call people out however the true storm underneath that is very very contained and i think there's also a confidence that comes from knowing that you are a master of your impulses yeah that you are in control of yourself like you might not be able to control other people but knowing that you can control yourself i think you can just really feel that with bryce that throughout a lot of the book she just feels like she just knows what she's about she knows what she can handle she feels like solid in that sense despite her going through a lot of stuff in this book yeah and i think despite the fact that she is really contained in that way like you said the other side of that she is a very messy person i think Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways because she's navigating things like grief things like learning how to love and open yourself up and all of that but what i like about that is even when she has kind of a messy moment like when she snaps at hunt and brings up shahar and Mm -hmm. it's like manhandling me on the roof almost immediately she's like i went too far yeah and she says i was an asshole i'm sorry and she does Mm -hmm. something to try to atone for that she makes some ground turkey that hunt is like there is too much chili powder that is not a good apology meal with that much chili powder and i love that she's like so insistent on i'm trying to say i'm sorry eat the food yeah kind of thing but i love that about her that because of just what's going on in her life things are messy like humans are messy she's half human i mean Faye are also messy but (laughs) i feel like the magic wielders whatever you want to call them they're always the messiest they're so messy they're very dramatic they love a big statement they love to be Mm -hmm. possessive as bryce says (laughs) they love to snarl and growl all of the things that bryce is triggered by (laughs) is justified because Mm -hmm. that's how they are so i just really like that despite her humanness and her fayness and when she gets angry all the things that she really is good about controlling herself in that way where when she feels like she stepped out of line she really takes responsibility for herself yeah i think that does make her feel very human that she just really walks that line in my mind that feels so relatable of she does show emotion and it does get the best of her at times but Mm -hmm. then she also is very in control of herself and a lot of times knows when to pick and choose the battles kind of things but like that doesn't always hold up because that's the human side that there's just so many aspects of her this just feels so so relatable that i think was just such a joy to go through let alone her bigger struggle with grief yeah throughout the book that was really really rough because it was really rough that wasn't even just the difficult piece of losing your best friend who's like your soulmate Mm -hmm. in that way but the fact that it comes to light of how public all of that was how everyone read the messages and like how they treat her like garbage yeah they just treat her like absolute trash it's like the stuff with ethan that comes up the comments that are made and you understand why you get the full picture in terms of ethan why that's a bigger thing but it just broke my heart yeah she made one decision that the consequences of that Mm -hmm. just rippled into oblivion yeah and that she's had to live with that for two years and the reality that that takes on top of all of that the loss of danica and connor she's living in the shadow of that 
that. Yeah, because after everything happened, she says a light's gone out within her. She has just kind of like ceased to exist in a lot of ways. And I think with the phrase through love, all is possible. Bryce is a character that she loved really easily. Like she said, I grew up saying I love you in case it was the last time. Like she wasn't a character who struggled to love. So starting off the book with that kind of loss, we're seeing her in a situation where the love's been taken away and now things feel impossible. She was already in that place. Like, yeah, if I have Danica, like everything's going to be okay. Like life will be amazing. We have this love for each other. Anything's possible. We're good. And now that gets taken away and things feel really impossible for her going forward. She has a hard time conceptualizing like how to move forward. The fact that time is going on and the people that she loves, the people that are in her heart are in the past. So I think throughout the book, I just really loved her journey of like finding her way back to her light, which is obviously very represented in her starlight. Yep. In her chest, in her breasts. Her boob light. Right. <laughs> Doing her boobs. Right, right in the there. sternum. <laughs> but I thought that that was a really beautiful journey yeah. for her. That like I liked that she was already the person that could embody love so greatly. And that was her journey in this was recovering of what do you do when there's been love lost? Because a lot of other characters, you kind of start at the low moment of I have no one and I've never really loved. Yeah. <laughs> and like that kind of thing. We got the peek into like, yeah, life is good. It's amazing. I can't wait to live like this for hundreds of years. And then it's like, oh, no, nope. And the fact that all of her friends, like all of her loved ones, save Rune, even though they're not on good terms at that point, got pulled away from her because it wasn't just Danica. It was also the pack. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that intro to them where it just feels like everyday life, we don't know where the story is going, was so important to see that, okay, these are the people that fill her apartment. These are the Mm -hmm. voices she hears every day. Danica is her person. Yeah. With every Thing that they are going to wait to make the drop together and all of the history and the little mystery of they had a Sons of Anarchy moment somewhere <laughs> and like I don't we don't really know what that is about but obviously something went down and mm-hmm. to just see what her life was like I think that was just so important even though you just don't really realize that at the moment when you're first reading it yeah so I mean I think all around Bryce is just for me same love her thousand percent I'm team Bryce well, since we were just talking about Danica in the pack what was your reaction to their murder. I know you touched on it a bit (laughs) in terms of I did mislead you. You did. When you were reading that scene because Bryce has been partying, she got some texts from Mm -hmm. Danica in the pack saying, we're going to come meet you in a couple minutes. Danica's last message is lighted up. I read that. I was like, oh my God, I know this is more important because I've read the book. (laughs) (laughs) But she's waiting for them. And then she does a lot of drugs. She does. She goes home and she can barely function. Mm -hmm. She's like losing her shoes things are missing from her person she goes through the door and then we get the description of people are in piles mm-hmm. yes pulps and piles and other disgusting p words probably my brain didn't know what to do with that what was your reaction to just like walking in on that scene i questioned if that was real i i don't know what the alternative would have been <laughs> but <laughs> Because she is... You are Bryce. You're like, is this real? I know, because she was literally did blood on her. Yeah. But there was a piece for, I won't say that long of the investigation that I just kind of tied to that moment of, I kind of wondered if it was Bryce. If she pulped them. If she pulped them. Because when Bryce is chasing the Crystalos in that scene afterwards, Mm -hmm. because she's high, she's not seeing it at first. Like, she's hearing the people screaming. Yeah. So, reading it, (laughs) I felt like I... 
I was high. I was like, wait, what are you seeing? Like, what are you chasing? Because she'd <laughs> she say like, know. there was like a shadow or something mm-hmm. that I'm like, is that real though? Like, are you running into the night actually chasing something mm-hmm. or are you hallucinating? Because at some point when she was like, yeah, followed the screams, I thought maybe they're screaming at you because you're <laughs> running <laughs> because barefoot you're running. and you've got glass all over you. Mm-hmm. So I was very surprised for reasons that I've previously said, but I did question like, okay, but what actually happened just yeah. at the crime scene itself? Obviously, what actually happened is the big question of the book. But <laughs> That's the question we're all asking ourselves. Yes. And that took a lot of twists and turns. But like in that moment, it was like, what do you mean Danica and Connor are dead? What do you mean? And they were like in her room. Yes. And that was the other thing where I was like, is there some time that you blacked out uh-huh. on? Because why are they in your room? That was another thing that really threw me off. So I felt very unsettled and shocked yeah. at that. What about you? How did you uh, react to that the first time you read it? I mean, the first time I read it, I was like, what? I was confused <laughs> like, because, because she walks in and she's like, there's piles. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Piles? What do you mean? Piles? Like, in my head, it's like goo. <laughs> but I mean, this time reading it, she says, and then there was Danica, like in pieces and Connor, because she doesn't sit in it that long. No. In terms of the description of everything, rightfully so, because she's high and drunk and all the things. So my brain was processing that about as well as Bryce's brain was. Yeah. But I was completely sober, so I have no excuse. So at first, I was confused in that more. I'm like, no. And I'm like, this is a simulation. This Mm -hmm. is gotcha journalism. (laughs) Or it's like everyone else except Danica and Connor. Yeah. Or part of me was like, are you sure it's them? (laughs) Is it just their clothing? I feel like when I first read it, part of me was like, what if that isn't her? This time reading it, because I was aware of that, I'm like, no, that's very clearly her. There's pieces of her. I had that thought. My brain was literally going for like any other other explanation (laughs) other than no, Danica and Connor are actually dead in piles. I was also upset about Thorn. I was upset about everyone, but I was just like, maybe it's everyone else but them. Mm -hmm. That maybe there's like, when they say piles, that means body parts and they were able to get out, but those body parts belong to someone else. They like Peter Pettigrew themselves. (laughs) (laughs) They found it was a finger. Oh, this is a different book than I thought yeah. when I read that. Yeah, no, that was so upsetting and completely shocking because you do spend like 50 pages getting to know Bryce just in this social circle. That was wild. That was a wild way to start a book. It was. And in a good way. It was a very effective way. We it just didn't know effective. it at the time. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, yes, I'm still devastated because Danica very much lives throughout the entire story because of that relationship. I mean, speaking of their relationship, on maybe a slightly happier note, what did you think about that really being at the center of the book? I'm always a sucker for it. I am always going to love female friendship being at the heart. And like you said earlier, it's like your friend soulmate, like Mm -hmm. soulmates aren't always romantic. And I loved all the conversation around it. And it just reminded me of in Grey's Anatomy, with Meredith and Christina when they say like you're my person I think it was so incredibly special to have that like your chosen family like your chosen person that is just your soulmate not because you get anything like romantically out of it or not because like you were born of the same blood or Mm -hmm. any of that that I thought that that was just so beautiful I love that and it (laughs) kind of made me laugh at times where Hunt asks her were you guys lovers yeah (laughs) in his head he's like I lost friends like this isn't normal (laughs) in my notes I wrote it's because 
you're a boy. Like, I think if you've had that kind of friendship where it's like, this is like your chosen person, whether it is like a family member or not, mm-hmm. just anyone that's a non-romantic soulmate, that's not something you get over. Like, this is the person for her that she felt safe with. Like, you're safe person that you know whatever happens they're there with open arms with no judgment that like they're your ride or die yeah i just love that kind of love Mm -hmm. because with romance a lot of times there are things that are like contingencies to it or like there's a sense of something being conditional yeah or whatever but with this kind of love there's just such a purity to it because it's like you're not getting anything out of it other than just love and connection like Mm -hmm. there's no sense of ego yeah that compared to sometimes romance romantic relationships, I think, just get messier or can get messier. I absolutely adored that. I thought it was really amazing, just the depths of that love. Mm-hmm. The fact that without any hesitation, Bryce makes the deal to give up her place in the bone yeah. quarter to ensure that Danica is there. And then obviously at the end, Danica gives up what's left of her for yeah. Bryce to survive. That is just the most beautiful level of, it's not even friendship, it's just the soulmate bond yeah. of doing everything and anything for that person out of love, everything really in the story goes back to through love, all is possible. That is just Bryce and Danica. Yeah. Through that love, through that bond, everything in the story happens and light triumphs at the end. Yeah. And it was just so beautiful to see that kind of relationship come through two people that are a little rougher. Mm-hmm. Like Danica's a rough person. She is. Obviously, we've talked about Bryce. That element of their characters was just so pure that no matter what else was going on, that was the constant. That was the only thing that mattered. Yeah. It was just one of my favorite aspects of the story. Yeah. And so to have, I think, a female centered relationship be at the center of it was just so wonderful and really emotional. <laughs> really emotional. And again, it's just like love is love and people like to put things in such clean boxes for how it should look like yeah. in whatever kind of relationship. I just adore the exploration of those different kinds of friendships and relationships and like where you find your counterpart and yeah. other people like who that person is for you and it not needing to look one way or another. Yeah. That they are two friends that like they would prioritize each other over your romantic partner in some ways. Like Bryce is like, I'm going to live down here with you <laughs> in this random soul pit yeah. rather than go back to hunt like yeah. she was ready to do that like danica had to talk her up to go try to make that jump i don't know it was just like a really beautiful like, dynamic to read on the page yeah because this is also a love story between bryce and hunt yeah so to have danica still have such a big role in bryce's life in their relationship in shaping who bryce is leaving the story yeah or leaving this book was just really wonderful and it was just really beautifully written yeah, I mean, it definitely got me in the feels when Bryce is talking about how like Danica wasn't the person to say I love you. And like it took her a really long time, like yeah. even with guys like and her family. She doesn't say that, that Bryce got that first I love you when she leaves that night to go on her date. Danica says that that yeah. got me in the feels because I knew what was coming. I was like, oh, my God, I know. And Bryce, I don't think said it back to her in that scene. No, she didn't. And she said that she's the one that always yeah. says it back in case it is her last time seeing her loved ones just like growing up human yeah that was a habit for her and it's like the one time she didn't say it back i mean as we got deeper into the story we find out that danica has been keeping some secrets (laughs) she has been danica said that she didn't lie Mm -hmm. she just didn't tell her some stuff did that change your perspective of their friendship in this book 
I think for me, the one thing that my mind and heart prioritized above all else is that I needed Bryce to be right about Danica. Mm-hmm. Like when she said, Danica wouldn't do this. About, that was her catchphrase. It was her catchphrase. She would never have done something like that. Never. And I just really needed her by the end of this book to be right in terms of she knew her best friend. Yeah. She knew her better than anyone. I was <laughs> just like not willing to accept that this was a story where at the end of it, Bryce is like, wow, I never really knew Danica at all. That the lesson Mm -hmm. is you can never really know people now, can you? (laughs) So I think for me, that's just what I was concerned about. I didn't really care if, yeah, Danica didn't mention synth and some of the jobs and things that she was doing or what she was trying to do. I liked the reveal of it. There's more to her than what we've originally thought Yeah, in terms of what she does during the day. But at the end of it, I just needed Bryce to be right about that. Yeah. And to make sure that Danica's memory wasn't something that contradicted the person that Bryce believed her to be. So all of that didn't really change how I viewed their relationship at all. Mm. It was just trying to get to the bottom of was it her? If it was her, why? Like, what is she actually doing? Because even when Danica is accused of potentially being a sympathizer for Briggs Mm -hmm. and some of the human conflict, like you see the why because Bryce is her person. Yeah. So she would be interested in things that could potentially benefit Bryce. So I can't be that mad about that. Even if maybe there could be some wrong decisions made, the intention I see and can connect and understand. Yeah, it's what Bryce says where she might have kept secrets from me, but I knew her heart. And in the end, that ended up being true that this whole time Danica was just seeking to protect Bryce and all of the other people of the city. Yeah. And not telling Bryce things was more of a protection thing because I also think there was a reality to Bryce herself says there's pressures and expectations of Danica that she'll never understand. Like when we know Bryce is a 23 year old, she says, you know, Connor should have a nice girl. I'm all fucked up. I don't know how to love anyone besides Danica. I like to party all these things that for Danica to come to her friend who like kind of is in that phase of life. Yeah. And not wanting to burden her with something that's really big. I feel like I understand that (laughs) and was very happy that Bryce's sentiment of I knew her heart even if she keeps secrets. I know that whatever she was doing was for the highest good of me and other people or at least in Danica's perspective. It was coming from that place it was very sad to know that like your person did keep secrets from you but i thought that was really realistic because i think you don't have bonds like that based off of literally knowing every single fact the other person knows and sharing every single little tiny thing ever i think yeah bonds like that come from something that is much much deeper than information swapping absolutely i mean before we leave danica territory Let's just take a second to talk about Connor. How did you feel about Connor? I know he wasn't with us for very long. You know, I think Connor had some strong points. I think Connor to me, because we knew him for like five pages, didn't hit me really hard in terms of, I know exactly who this guy is and like, I'm all for him. But I think what he presented, just as a love interest, was phenomenal. He's let her ignore their connection without pressuring her. For five years. For five years. She has this big talk about the alpha 
awful holes, but he has like respected her resistance to it for a mm-hmm. really long time. And I mean, when you have a male character or like anyone really say, message me when you're home safe. I know. That's going to get me somewhere. Yeah. It's going to hit me right in the feels. And also when he's like, you won't regret this. I've had a long while to figure out all the ways I'm going to spoil you and all the fun we're going to have. I'm like, this just feels like the perfect thing to be saying. So real big bummer there. I know. (laughs) I mean, what about you? Because you didn't know (laughs) they were dying from what you got with Connor. I think overall, I really loved what we got with Connor because Mm -hmm. Bryce is also dating. Like she is with men. The men that she's dating, if she's trying to keep love at arm's length, she's not going to date men that she's like, oh, yes, I'm going to fall in love with you. Yeah. So when she's on the date with Reed Redner... just like dump his ass. You know? <laughs> Connor recognizing, not because he's being territorial, but mm-hmm. saying like, he doesn't deserve you. Yeah. I like that he makes it very clear how he feels. He hasn't pressured her and they've known each other for five years mm-hmm. and he's felt this way for a long time and is trying to make her feel comfortable that he's not being, at least in the bits that we get with him, he doesn't have those characteristics that actually attribute to being an alpha hole. Yeah. And I like that he recognizes and says, I'm not your father like he knows that that's where that wound for her comes from it's very specifically her father and then obviously being built upon all of the other assholes that she's been around but i like that he's like i know where this is coming from it's not about him yeah it's about her and her wounds and her hurt and yeah the way that he looks at her is really sexy yeah so i really enjoyed that i also really enjoyed it i was a little thrown off when i was in a fantasy book at first and his name is connor that threw me (laughs) off for a second (laughs) because i'm like even ethan it's spelled with an I. It's like the fantasy spell. Like, don't worry. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. <laughs> Would it have been better if it would have been Connor with a K? <laughs> or like C-O-N-N-Y-R. <laughs> throw an extra A and an E in there somewhere. Just throw in vowels anywhere you an can. And it'll make it fantasy. <laughs> But yeah, I really liked Connor. And yeah. despite the spoiler that I had going into the book, I was very upset when he died. And yeah. we'll get into the end. But when we see him again, that wrecked me. Yeah. So he obviously left a really great impression. You definitely feel the imprint of him yeah. throughout the story in a lot of different ways. So I think for having such a short presence, he did make a big impact. Because yeah. he's a big wolf male <laughs> shifter. He's like the biggest of the pack. For our patrons, you guys know how we feel about things like wolves and the wolf of the north we like wolves so i think connor definitely scratch that itch yeah falls into that category (laughs) well that really brings us to another boy in this book and that is prince rune crown prince of the valbaran fey the The chosen chosen one one. (laughs) princess of genovia I mean, I, in my head, he is naked, naked rune. If any Gilmore Girls fans are watching, <laughs> that's all I hear is Lorelai saying naked, naked rune. Megan's been saying that like nonstop for the last seven days. And now I wake up and that's what I hear in my head is naked, naked rune. You're welcome. So what are your just like first initial thoughts on rune? Because we get introduced to him as Bryce's brother. It's very clear from the beginning. She's not a fan or that's kind of how she presents rune is that he's an asshole we don't want anything to do with him. We know of his title. They're lying and saying they are cousins. He is in the 70 to 80 year old range for a fae. He heads up the fae ox division. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
right? You have his resume in front of you, right? <laughs> <His> resume. <laughs> he possesses the Avalon abilities to summon darkness and walk through shadows and some other fun stuff. What were your just like thoughts on Rune in this book? I have a hunch that my feelings on him will change moving forward. But in this book, he made me really, really sad. I was a little confused because when he came on the page, I was like, I feel like I should be really attracted to this. Mm-hmm. His lip ring is very provocative. There's just a lot of things going on that I'm like, I feel like Rune should really be for me. But I mean, he's, if he's 70 or 80 years old. He's living like a frat guy. They literally live in a frat house <laughs> when there's the description of the columns outside the house. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a literal frat house that you would see in a comedy about frat guys. Like, yeah. that's what that is. And when they're talking about the house falling apart, I was in Greek life for two years. I didn't go to like those style of frat houses, but I have been in houses where frat boys reside. That environment, it's not cute. It's not cute. It's so repulsive to me. So I think I was having like war flashbacks <laughs> every time like the house was present. And the description of the house inside isn't as bad, but just saying that like it's falling apart, there's a smell and there's a lack of toilet paper. There's a smell and a vibe. There are no hand towels. That I think if you are a male character and the energy that you're emitting is like, well, fuck you, dad, <laughs> kind of energy. And yeah. I think it's Hunt. It's either Hunt or Bryce from that ask him at some point, what do you do during the day? Like, mm-hmm. what princely things do you do because we just get a lot of him with Duncan and Flynn. It's when Michael Scott is imitating Angela when he's doing his final Dundies and she's saying like, my husband, the state senator, wait, that title has no meaning. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, what it what feels like. What prince title mean? Tell me what you did today <laughs> that reflects that title. If we're looking at him outside of his relationship with Bryce, just as mm-hmm. Rune, I wanted him to feel a little bit more independent and sure-footed in who he was. I'm sure we'll get into it more about the Starborn stuff in other books. Like, okay, you're the chosen one. You're this. Mm -hmm. It's like, but what are you doing with that? Like, what does that mean? He's the chosen one. But what are you doing with that? He's the chosen one. What is your intention with that phrase? He chose the one. He was the one that was chosen. Tell me one more thing. What's one more thing? He has a star sword. Don't get me started on star sword. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually something that I just found to be really silly. It's star sword. The star sword. The star sword. Its name isn't Star Sword. It is The Star Sword. Put some respect on that name. (laughs) I told Kate that it reminds me of the Rainbow Bright movie that I grew up watching. (laughs) He just had an energy that it's like, you feel like you don't know what you're doing. I like you. Mm -hmm. I want you to figure out what you're doing, but you make me sad. Well, I think that's the thing that was like, Rune does not know what he's doing. Like, Rune does not like himself. No. He talks about how he has that little bit of star power that's kind of like curled up at the bottom of the well of power and he says that's just about the only part of himself he liked rune's father is the autumn king we know that can't be a good experience no because we've gotten an insight into who the autumn king is and rune talks about how like he hates that his life is designated to that title but in a way that isn't fulfilling to him at all because he is the head of the ox because he's the prince and like because his father told him to do that and he didn't really have a choice in it that he's someone that I think is falling into kind of like Bryce in a lot of ways like the partying like that frat boy life yeah but for him because you don't want to deal where like Bryce had such a joy in the party <laughs> like she was there to have fun with her friends where with yeah. Rune it feels really like an escapist thing for him that I just felt like so sad for him and because of the relationship with Bryce and you can feel the effort 
I mean, yeah. he has to have running shoes on because he is sprinting around Crescent City, mm-hmm. Lunathion, we want to get historical, running to Bryce's aid every time she needs help with whether it's with a male, whether she's just had an emotional experience like the butterfly shifter yeah. has Rune on speed dial. Rune probably needs like a jet pack to get around quicker to bypass traffic because he's just sprinting all over the city, just wanting to be there for his sister and like trying in so many ways. But at the same time, I totally get why she's mad at him and like yeah. doesn't forgive him. And I know she goes into it deeper with it scared her the fact that like they were so close mm-hmm. and he had the power to hurt her. And then there's yeah. this other stuff with the starborn things. But I'm also like, Rune, don't be calling your sister a slut. Yeah. And like when we meet him, he's like still playing slutty secretary, I see. So I'm like, sir, that's not helpful language. No, so you don't respect what she does for a living. Yeah. But I agree because obviously I want them to be good. He is yeah. trying. He adores her. He loves her. She was the brightest spot in his life. That sounds like a lyric in an emo song back from the early 2000s. <laughs> that's probably what he's listening <laughs> like to. like you're leading into that Copeland song. <laughs> 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 so that's like he says she'd been a bright spot the brightest spot if he felt like being honest like, yeah that's so sad yeah i agree because i understand why she's upset and i think she's justified yeah. in that i just want her to forgive him a lot sooner mm-hmm. than she does so that was just kind of my overall impression of room one thing that i am really intrigued with though is the oracle prediction for him yeah. of the royal bloodline shall end with you prince i mean do you have any thoughts on it My immediate thought isn't that he's going to die or not have children. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's probably going to be some bigger, more symbolic meaning in that. Obviously, this is what usually happens. (laughs) I don't know. I would like to think that maybe it's the breakdown of the system Mm -hmm. that he's the last person to hold that title because things are being shifted for the better. So I'm going to hold on to that hope. That's what I kind of assume, just because there is the talk in the book, obviously, about the issue of the hierarchies. Yeah. And especially with like the angels and the Fae. And there was a lot of talk in the last 200 pages of the Fae were the ones that went inside and kind of locked people out. Yeah. And them being a little bit more problematic when it comes to just the system they uphold. Mm -hmm. So I kind of assume that that's what that means. Yeah. I mean, I would also be freaking out if I were him in terms of just like with Bryce. Like, I love that that's a thought. He doesn't support her becoming a princess and like officially accepting a title because he's like scared shitless yeah that that means something bad would happen to her that's all the stuff that i really love about rune Mm -hmm. like bryce his love for his sibling is so fierce it is and like bryce in many ways all of the things he's done even Mm -hmm. though the behavior comes off a certain way it is like you said it's from that space of love and wanting to protect her so yeah when he's trying to compliment her on her music choices (laughs) and like all of the little things that he is just he's doing his best and he really is in a lot of scenes kind of taking a beating from her where he puts himself out there he kind of reaches mm-hmm. out the hand and I love that he keeps doing it and he doesn't blame her for like pushing him away because no. he's like I know that what I did and what I've sometimes continued to do is messed up like he takes yeah. full responsibility and I think when people take full responsibility I can forgive a lot especially if you're trying to be better yeah but yeah I liked all of their sweet moments like that feeling him trying and like the progression of Rune kind of getting into her and Hunt's relationship Relationship yeah. and him saying like he's a good male Rune just coming and taking care of Hunt because Bryce asked him to there's so many little lines of Bryce calls him and he picks up before it's like finished ringing the first time yeah. he is just 
there like waiting in the stands <laughs> to be utilized by her in whatever way she needs. I mean, as a big brother, that's an energy that I'm like, okay, just stop using the word slut. Let's just get that out of our vocab. Half-breed and slut. Yeah. Slutty secretary. Let's just remove that. And then everything else that's left, this is something I can get behind. And a lot of his stuff just really got me in the feels because you can just see the emotion and we're like Bryce is really good about kind of covering that up and wearing a mask to an extent Rune is the opposite yeah he wears his emotions right on his face right on his sleeve that like you can just see everything that's going on with him yeah and it's like even in those moments when Bryce is trying to offer herself to free hunt and Rune steps in and he claims her as kin which obviously that's a massive trigger point for Bryce yeah I can't be mad about that because he's doing it to protect you and also this is what hunt would want him to do yeah so on both of their behalves he's willing to give everything which would be his relationship with Bryce to protect her the same way that Bryce is willing to give all of herself for the people that she loves. So even in those moments, I know that you're very upset, Bryce. And I could argue that this is your decision to make. But I also just can't be mad at him because he's just trying to protect you. And Hunt was very relieved. I mean, I think when we're getting into a realm where we're selling ourselves into slavery. Yeah. I think the reactions of your loved ones, there's just not really a guidebook for that. No, I'm (laughs) sorry. This is a world with public crucifixions. Like when I read that in the... page i was like oh okay but like you yeah. mean very literal public crucifixions this isn't just yeah. like we call it this you're not standing on a box with an a around your neck no this is literal crucifixion and like vic getting pulled from her body put in a box and then thrown into the bottom of the sea yeah that happened nobody yeah. stopped that i would just like to side note on that because as two gals that went to christian school some of those things like made me so ill i don't know if you experienced this at school or at church there were days when we got into like what happens to you Mm -hmm. when you are crucified oh yes many times yeah there was a lot of very visceral language in school (laughs) with some of that that just like thoroughly traumatized me and makes me want to throw up that that coming up in this story was an instant barf physical barf i think it did a really good job of setting the actual tone because i think sometimes in stories if you say like oh public executions or they were tortured that feels very far away and Mm -hmm. torture can mean a lot of different things depending on the society the person so to throw out the idea and then to see it play out was like oh my god Vic is in a box in the bottom of the sea Justinian has been crucified and is sitting there he's rotting out there rotting in a public area that was just a very like strong image for me in my head so like when Rune comes up and is like I claim you you are princess of the Valbarn Bay. <laughs> okay. Yep. Great. Correct. God bless Bryce mm-hmm. again for loving that hard and being that courageous. But also, thank you, Rune. But as a brother, <laughs> that was <laughs> the correct thing. And then when she gets attacked like 20 seconds later, he's also there and he has backup. I'm like, I do forgive Rune. Our patrons know that I get so triggered by characters, especially male characters that throw around the bitch slut. Yeah. Like, just like negative female name-calling things. Very triggering for me. I despise that. Mind, body, and soul. However, I feel like I did move past it (laughs) very quickly, surprisingly, because of all of the other things. So at the end of the day, I do have love for Rune. Mm -hmm. I just really root for him to sort himself out in that way. Yes, always team Bryce and Rune trying to make their relationship better. Very in favor of that. And before we move on, just staying in the realm of family, just want to mention the Autumn King. What were your reactions 
to the Autumn King. Because in a lot of ways, he's very aloof. I just wrote in my notes the sound, ugh. <laughs> just <laughs> ugh. <laughs> ugh. I didn't care for him as a father. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in favor of his parenting style. No. I mean, I really enjoyed his phone call with Ember. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked that. I liked getting to know more about him. Mm -hmm. I always like, (laughs) it sounds weird, but I like getting to know the assholes a bit better. Yeah, because there is a layer with the Autumn King that like, I'm going to say right now, like, this is not a good man. This is a bad man. But getting into the layers of him coming to Bryce and telling her I regret every day what I did to your mom and I would have made her queen like who is a human with this king that's been presented as being very like we are the fae (laughs) the generations the power that's a love yeah and there's very toxic love but I always find it so interesting getting into those layers and just like as a person trying to decide how I feel about those things Mm -hmm. and like him telling her you're like me yeah and that's not a good thing and there are a lot of moments of someone says or does something brings something to his attention and like you see the regret you see the emotions but then he still does call ember and Mm -hmm. like is like why didn't you tell me and gets really mad at her and then chucks a jug across the room but i agree like i'm always intrigued by that because i think it's just like a really weird place to be as a human to look at another human character whatever and be like you're a terrible person but also like there's a layer here just like getting into the layers of humanity like the layers of hell yes i love that he regrets that yeah yeah. The problem is, is that despite living with regret, he's done nothing, at least that I'm aware of, no. to make that better, to reach out the hand, to ask for forgiveness. He's like, I feel regret. However, I will not do anything about it. I would rather just live with it. I would rather... <laughs> I don't regret it enough to be different. Yeah, because there were a lot of moments that I really liked the interactions between him and Bryce. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a really interesting dynamic because I agree. I think that there are some similarities between the two. Yeah. I also find it really funny when Hunt finally understands that that is his daughter. Oh, my God. They look so much alike this entire time. I died the entire (laughs) book because I feel like there's a good handful of times where Hunt's just like, why does the Autumn King care if Bryce is alive or dead? I know. Like, Hunt the whole time is like, what? Don't they have the same color hair and they have like the the same same expressions like hunt's like oh yeah they do have the same eyes like how many redheads do you know i'm like i guess declan is Faye and he's redheaded but i'm like is it the specific color she's got wine colored hair she has a very specific coloring that feels like not of this earth so you're the umbra mortis (laughs) so i just found that really really funny i guess they can't smell that in this world i guess read other fae stories where some bombs have been dropped because of fae scent but yeah i it's like all around i like his presence in the story i like that bryce does accept that maybe there are some qualities that have been passed down but bryce handles herself very differently from him she does so it's like yes you inherited this what she does with it makes them two completely different people. Yeah. I just had a big like ugh, with him mm-hmm. through most of the book, but I liked getting to know more about his backstory. I mean, before we move on, I just need to say that I cannot handle the fact that a man who is called the Autumn King, who is in his villa doing whatever his little experiments are, walks into that gallery in black jeans and a black long sleeve tee. I'm like, are you also wearing the checkered old school vans? Maybe. That is just not the outfit that I would picture him wearing. Like, I feel like a lot of times, like, they 
have the character outfits mm-hmm. where it's like here's just the outfit they wear when you don't know what they're wearing you just like put them in their character outfit that's not what i would have in the lineup he's trying to fit in with the youths because he looks like he's 27 or 28 yeah. he doesn't know what the youths are wearing so he just gave it his best shot the idea of the autumn king wearing black denim i like couldn't move on from that for a couple minutes i was like wait i'm like that's a great look it is a don't great get look. me wrong it just doesn't match i'm like do you have a skateboard maybe that's how we got there that's how we got to the gallery <laughs> Rune might run. <laughs> the Autumn King. He's at the skate park <laughs> when he's not being the asshole of the Valbarn Fay. You can find him at the local skate park. Well, maybe on that thought, like, look, we have a lot of characters we do in this book, and we don't have unlimited time. So maybe we should just kind of go through everyone and just share our maybe overall thoughts or impressions okay. of these characters. We're gonna try to rapid fire ish it. Lord help us. <laughs> All right, Jessica. I love Jessica. I love that she. Is constantly threatening everyone and threatens Bryce that she will turn her into insert gross animal at any point. Do you think she's being truthful? I don't think she is, but I like it. I like it all the same. I don't love that Jessica owns things. No. Because she owns Lehaba mm-hmm. and she is shady. I would say she's probably going to be a morally great character because we have a reveal at the end of like the importance of these books and like preserving texts like that speak to you probably are a part of something for the higher good. However, you are partaking in the negative aspects yeah. of the system that you protect books <laughs> that speak against it. I don't quite know where she falls on the scale there. And maybe she's like, Lehaba is a sprite. What else would she do anyway? I don't know like what the logic is there. However, I love when Jessica's on the page. I am obsessed with her being on the page. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think everything to do with the books and what she's actually doing, that is her number one priority. And I think mm-hmm. everything else falls to the wayside. You know what? I can respect a woman that is like, I'm getting a call from work. I need to stop my threesome. (laughs) I was really trying to figure her out in this book. And I'm assuming we're going to get more insight into her. Just being introduced to her with the fact that she switched houses Mm -hmm. and has a new master of sorts. But in my notes, I wrote, she's highly questionable and up to things (laughs) and morally gray. (laughs) And I stand by that at the end of the book. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know like how I feel about her, but I'm very, very intrigued by her, especially Mm -hmm. in the epilogue. Yeah. I would like to think that she is involved for the greater good, but I do have a question mark. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued to know more. Well, you brought up Lehaba, mm-hmm. so let's talk about her. She gets me. Her watching her dirty little show. This is a girl for me. Yeah, and she also broke my heart into a thousand pieces. The fact that she's down there alone, yeah, without company most of the time. I mean, Bryce and Cyrinx are there, but it was just so sad. And on the flip side of that, it was so sweet and heartwarming when Hunt and Rune get to meet her and she yeah. gets to interact with other people. Just like her love for Bryce and Cyrinx. That was everything. It really was everything. And we'll talk more about that towards the end of the episode. On a lighter note, she made me die, especially when she was doing her, BB, are you all right? <laughs> She's like, Hunt's out there. BB, yeah. <laughs> I would feel so much better if I saw you, BB. <laughs> 
you love she's just a little eavesdropper it's so <laughs> like, good she just has such a fat crush on hunt and rune and like all the sexy it. men and like she has her like dirty tv show she just like wants to be connected yeah. to life get this girl a smutty book yeah. that's what she needs but i was absolutely dying at all of that behavior of like why don't you invite the prince in and like oh poor athy he's up on the roof in the cold in the rain she's just like (laughs) trying to get them down there so badly that just absolutely killed me and bryce is just like "Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) i loved her i wanted more of her actually well now you'll never get more never get that well really quick sirings Oh, Cyrinx. I'm going to tell you right now, the best part of that for me is Hunt and Cyrinx. Yeah. I loved, I mean, just first of all, the concept of Bryce put Cyrinx in a crate. <laughs> and that is just the biggest joke of all time. And he lets her. <laughs> He's like, this makes you feel better. Great. And like, I love you. So I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love all the stuff with Hunt waking up and like Cyrinx is on his pillow. Mm-hmm. And then just the scene where Cyrinx comes in and just bites Hunt's ass and then vanishes. Yeah. Yeah, outside. Yes. <laughs> He's like, yeah. And Bryce saw me grabbing my ass and now she thinks I'm weird. Like, <laughs> I just loved the interactions with them as a couple. Yeah. Cyrinx with Hunt from the beginning when Hunt is outside on the roof for the first time. Cyrinx is like yowling and like trying to get through the curtains. Like, he's just so obsessed with Hunt like from the beginning. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, this is what you wanted. You want this man? <laughs> I'm like, that's such a good sign when pets, Mm -hmm. animals like you. I'm like, that's thumbs up in favor of Hunt for sure. But that just killed me where he's like, (laughs) just trying to get to Hunt. Yeah. I mean, on that note, I died when it was raining and Bryce was trying to get Cyrix to go out into the (laughs) rain. It's just rain. And it's like, (laughs) but then upon finishing the book, I was like, oh my God, it doesn't like water. And then there's a reason for that later, which made me feel ill. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that syrinx is kind of dramatic in that way and i love it i just love him and hunt because even in that scene where he doesn't like the rain hunt just like lifts him up on his <laughs> phantom wind and is like none of that beastie and syrinx is like okay <laughs> he like listens same thing with fury yeah she like gives him the look i will let you know when you yeah. can come to me and he's like all right he's such a good boy well let's talk real briefly about hypaxia because there was a reveal there she is hypaxia she is hypaxia hypaxia is hypaxia i completely forgot that she was the med witch i totally called it i love that for us i love that you've never read this and you know <laughs> and i have read this and i was like oh my god <laughs> it took me i knew technically later but it took at least like two or three interactions for me to remember i guessed it because in the scene where rune and the autumn king are talking about having him do an arranged marriage and hypaxia's name comes up and he has the thought of well what would she want like mm-hmm. would she want this that he was giving her a little bit of a voice in the conversation in that way. And I was like, I bet we're going to meet her. Like, we're going to meet this girl. And then when he talks to the medwitch, and at the end, he's like, wow, I didn't get her name. I was like, you know, I bet I've got it. That's his catchphrase. Interacts with medwitch, leaves, and he's like, damn it, I forgot. What is her name? Every time she leaves, he's like, shit, I forgot again. Every time she leaves, and I'm like, I need to get her name. And I did it again. And also, Hypaxia keeps mentioning, or the medwitch keeps mentioning, that I have very ancient tutors. (laughs) I've learned some things. And she says that 
multiple times. She like wants him to figure it out. But I really loved her. Like I love that she's obviously a glorious queen, mm-hmm. but she gets her hands dirty. She's of the people. I love her. I think we haven't had like as much access to her compared to other characters. But like every time she's on the page, I'm like, this is just a strong embodied woman flipping forward just a little bit to like the summit when she looks at Bryce and is like, I would rather go die out there than be a coward in here. This is just a woman and her using her talents to come up with the antidote and like going yeah. and like seeing the city and like living life and all of these things. I'm like you just feel like you're a character that you know what you're about. And yeah. I'm always going to respect that. The innovation and intelligence that she has was really exciting just as a character and then yeah. to find out to have it confirmed rather <laughs> yeah that you're queen hypaxia so you're also representing all of the witches it's like yes this is the queen we all want yes absolutely i mean i love her conversation with hunt where she's like what would you do theoretically <laughs> if i did take away your little crown thorn tattoo situation mm-hmm. what'd you do in three words or less what would you do <laughs> and they like silently have the conversation like yeah i'd kill sandra and she's like all right good like she just had such a quiet strength that she didn't need to talk a lot to just yeah. like really feel the power emulating from her so her being the med witch it's like of course she's someone bigger because she just has such a presence I love that in that summit scene that she's one of the few that doesn't bow her head with yeah. the asteri. Okay, my kind of gal we like this we, we like this, this a lot I mean speaking of people that I like let's talk about Therion you mean Finnick Odair Finnick Odair I merman was... <laughs> Finnick Odair I was so here for Therion because I I love that he is very Finnick O'Dare. He's very flirty. He's very I love charming. Him flirting with Bryce right off the bat of him being like, How does your boyfriend feel about this? <laughs> And Hunt's just like grinding his teeth. I love wonderful. Everything about that. I loved everything about really his relationships with everyone, or more, I guess, interactions with everyone, because we don't know him that well yet. But on top of all of that, I love the little moments where you see the predatory threat in his eyes. Where like mm-hmm. this is a man capable of violence because he needs to protect his people. That there's moments yeah. where it's like, oh, he's so charming. And then it's like, oh, this is a predator. Yeah, when Hunt alludes to, yeah, his sister was killed that's how they met is through that investigation and when Hunt handed over the murderer to Therian it's like he was never seen again this is a man that I think he is a bit of a mirror to Bryce a little bit just Mm -hmm. in terms of he's flirty and he's sexy and on the surface like that's what he's presenting to the world but But there's some ferocity under that and I know it's such a tiny thing but I loved him at the barge with Bryce when that whole like Hunt scene was revealed that he was at her back and supporting her and was very much just like there for her mm-hmm. that felt really nice because like they don't really know each other that well it's not like they yeah. were like friends technically it's like your acquaintances at best but I just like those tiny little character moments like okay this Agreed. is the kind of like male you are yeah and just to see that play out through the climax of the book too that yeah. he's with the group going to get her and yeah I really want more of him mm-hmm. also on that note what is going on with him and Hypaxia at the summit at the table i don't know like i genuinely don't know i'm not even trying to bamboozle you i don't know what their little paper thing was i want that i want that to be a thing i like that I like that she had his back at the meeting and they've got some little inside joke or something and her cheeks are getting a little red. I don't know. It feels sexy. I can't confirm that that's what it is, but it feels sexy. So I'm just going to say now, I want that. Mystery paper feels sexy. What are those markings (laughs) for? 
So next up, we have Fury. I loved Fury. I adore Fury. It made me so incredibly sad after Danica died that Fury dipped Mm -hmm. and was a bit of a ghost. But when Fury came back on the barge and was in Bryce's corner and that through the rest of the book, I was like, oh my God, I want more of this. My mouth dropped. I was actually like, (gasps) like, (laughs) hands on cheeks, like, (gasps) I'm like, this is the best thing. Like her showing up with the gun. Like I don't want (laughs) there to be tension with Hunt and stuff. But I'm like, but also being in Bryce's <laughs> corner when like we just don't know what's going on with Hunt and like pointing a gun at him, like this is amazing. <laughs> I literally wrote that in my notes. I was like, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen. It's really sad for Hunt, and I don't want there to be drama there. <laughs> like oh my god this is amazing because immediately she just goes back to having Bryce's back and protecting her and just her and Bryce reconnecting I really loved those scenes of Fury explaining to her what it's been like yeah the impression is is that you left me yeah like everyone else did but I like that Fury has the connection with Juniper Mm -hmm. Fury owns up to it two years later I like that they're back in that spot as friends I really liked that just very honest conversation that they had where Fury says like i lost danica too yeah i'm the assassin that goes out and does all this dark stuff it's basically her saying like you were this light in my life that i wasn't expecting to have and because fury is such a like intense character that just hit her and she didn't know how to deal with it so she just didn't like she did not deal with it where her and bryce just had such opposite reactions and i love that when fury leaves bryce is kind of giving her the cold shoulder like yeah we'll see if you turn up and fury's like no i will like now that she's here she's here yeah it's like she went away (laughs) but it's like once she shows back up she feels like she's there to stay again it it makes me sad because it breaks my heart for bryce but like i do understand because what fury does for a living yeah she's not gonna have any time to sort out that kind of grief if she's being ordered to go do these other things yeah i was just happy that the gang is back together yeah i'm very excited to get more into like what is fury's deal yeah like we don't know what fury is Mm-hmm. Because it's rude to ask. She's it's never offered. And it's very rude to ask. She made the drop at 21. But I don't know if that was insinuating that like they knew her at 21. How long have you been 21? A while. <laughs> we Say just it don't... out loud. <laughs> Vampire. We just like don't know like mm-hmm. what her deal is and i'm excited to just like get into that hopefully i assume we will get reveals on yeah. that maybe that happens in the next book and i have forgotten i hope so i would bet my money that that is probably a thing that's happened in my brain really quick because we do want to get to hunt yeah any thoughts on juniper you know, I don't think I had a very strong reaction to Juniper. Like, I was glad that she was there. And I think it was really touching getting into Bryce's story that, like, Juniper was the person yeah. that saved her. And, like, Juniper really is the only person that stayed. She was there. However, there is a distance with them a bit. It feels more like Juniper's busy. I will say the bombing scene at the White Raven when Bryce throws her body over Juniper and Juniper looks at her and is screaming at her saying like are you out of your mind i made the drop you haven't have you completely lost it and she slaps her i cried i did too i don't hold that against her because like i know she's in shock everybody's in shock because everyone's been bombed like there's no precedent for how you react but just like being with bryce where you know that here's her worst nightmare again is losing someone she loves when she could stop it or protect them that's such like a fierce part of bryce but like juniper turning around in that moment 
moment. I wasn't even making judgments in that. I was just like, this is such an intense moment that I think most people, you don't even know what to do. That like the rawness in those reactions for both of them. Bryce, she's shell-shocked. Yeah. And like Juniper is reacting on the other side of that. I cried. I mean, I also really love that Juniper is the one that really fights for her to go back to dance. Yeah. That she convinced her dance teacher to save a spot for her. And granted, it's like Bryce never agreed to that. But I love that she, on behalf of Bryce, is Mm -hmm. fighting for that for her because she knows what that means. And also that she's had to overcome some stuff as well to be a dancer. Yeah. So I love that the two of them have that commonality between them. And that despite Juniper kind of being the softer one of the group, she's also a hell of a fighter. And she can be very snipey. Oh, yes. She can have a little bit of a short fuse. It's like she is the softest of the group, but she's not the one that you feel like, oh, we have to protect Juniper at all costs. Because I'm like, Juniper, she's got an edge, at least like in her comebacks. Okay, last one. Okay. Adis. Man, on the note of things that I want more of. That is the list. Loved his interaction with Bryce. I love that he's known what she is, had an insight to the Oracle, blinding, all of that. Mm-hmm. Loves to be a cat. There's just a big mystery around that. Yeah. But I like what I've received so far. Yeah. I love Bryce looking at him being like, you told me not to let them see me cry. I took yeah. the advice to heart. Like, I love that him in cat form just like comforted a crying 13 year old girl. And like, maybe he knew it was Bryce the whole time or like what Bryce was. And maybe that's why he was there. I have no idea why he was there. We don't know. We don't know. I love everything about that summoning scene. Yeah. And I'm also like, what was his reaction to Hunt's crown? Yeah, I also had that question. There was something weird there because he's talking to Bryce. <laughs> kind of like he doesn't even realize Hunt is there. He's like, you're not on my radar right now. And then he looks at him and he sees it and like there's a reaction is this offensive to you is this something else do we not know because when they talk about the crown earlier in the book they say it's a mockery of the halo that angels are often depicted with i mean i wasn't sure if that was just a recognition of who he was because in the epilogue he tells jespa well you knew hunt's father better Mm -hmm. than anyone so i wasn't sure if it was an actual reaction to the symbol itself or if he was recognizing who hunt Mm -hmm. was and maybe the bigger scheme of things it's like the crown kind of self-identified him yeah but i don't know yeah there's something weird with that i'm like okay all right i don't know maybe the next book (laughs) maybe (laughs) from all my unanswered questions (laughs) maybe the next book i won't tell you though i don't want to spoil anything for you spoil anything for me (laughs) okay well let's talk about hunt it's time to talk about hunt What did you think of Hunt just as a character, not specifically a love interest, because we'll Mm -hmm. get into him and Bryce. But what did you think of him as being, okay, here's the male lead in our story? Mm -hmm. I loved Hunt. I think Hunt to me felt really real because there's a lot of times where I'm like, you are being an ass. Yeah. His perception of Bryce and some other things that kind of go along with that can be very unlikable. Mm -hmm. However, I really just loved getting into his history because Hunt is someone that he's been a slave for the majority of his life. Like he was very young when that tattoo went on. I think he was 33, which I'm also like, that's a Jesus Jesus. thing. You're getting the Jesus thorns at 33. I don't know if Sarah's doing anything with that but i mean like looking at his life what he's endured 
I think that behavior, like those little bits at the very beginning that I'm not a fan of, I'm like, of course he's this way. Yeah. Like, of course he views life this way. He was a rebel who paid the cost and now he has to do things by the book. Like being the guy that literally led a rebellion against this crazy hierarchy is now living by somebody else's rules and living by the rules of the people that he was trying to take down. And I like Hunt's stuff that comes up in the book in terms of do you regret it? Do you feel any differently about it? And like at his heart, he's still very much a rebel. Yeah. He's had this goal of freedom. And I think he's gotten lost in just what he's had to do and what has been done to him. But at his heart, he has that energy. And you know, that obviously makes it like a million times worse still being in that position. His wound is just very political Mm -hmm. in that way that like, I just love him. I loved going through that with him. I love that he... (laughs) Spiping the Umbra Mortis, he's just a guy. Yeah. The image of the Umbra Mortis is not who Hunt is. No. Reading the book, I was just viewing him like Bryce viewed him where it's like, you're not scary. They have this title for you. And I know that you're doing this kind of work. Yeah. But like you said, because he just feels very real. He feels like a real normal guy in that way. Yeah. And when we first meet him, Isaiah is like, it took all 200 years of my training to basically like not shit my pants at the sound of Hunt's voice. Like Isaiah (laughs) is like having this reaction. So when you first meet him, you're like, oh, okay. He exists within the permanent ripple of stillness. (laughs) And like he's the thunderclap before the storm. (laughs) There's all of this language where you're like, holy shit. All right. Okay. You're very scary. And then our first interaction <laughs> once Hunt is on Bryce Guard duty is him calling to say, open the goddamn window so I can watch TV. <laughs> like, That's all Hunt wants is to watch TV. Yeah. And I love that he just looks at Bryce and he's like, you are so unimpressed by me. <laughs> There's no one else like in the world that has yeah. really looks at me and thinks this, which is yeah. not total fear or admiration or like whatever the big feelings are that she's just like, ugh, yeah. you. She's always flipping him off. <laughs> I think because so much of the story was told through Bryce's POV that it really solidified. Yes, you've done these things, mm-hmm. but you're just a normal person. You have a history and you have yeah. trauma and you've been through all of this, but your humanity, yeah. whatever we want to call that, it's just like everyone else, mm-hmm. which I think makes him really, really effective as a character. And I think one of my favorite pieces of his arc would be the bits that you mentioned of him recognizing that he is still a rebel, like meeting mm-hmm. with Briggs and getting really honest about him feeling like they're the same person, that like they did the yeah. same kind of thing. And would he go back and do any of it differently? Yeah, because I think that's a really important conversation to have with yourself when you're fighting for something because there are lines obviously <laughs> like there's yes, very there <laughs> clear lines when it comes to the things that need to be done to make really big social change mm-hmm. these are just really big concepts in this book and i was really happy to have some of these conversations yeah about it because they are important it's like what does separate you from this Yeah. And I like that Bryce, she reminds him that you guys are different, that you have a kindness. She reminds him of the good qualities. Mm -hmm. But despite that being true, there is that similar thread there. Mm -hmm. And I like that it doesn't get fully dismissed. Yeah. I like that he gets into the conversation of I wouldn't have listened to anyone. Yeah. Like Isaiah was in the tent that night saying, don't do this. Isaiah as a rebel is like, this just isn't the time to make the stand or like being smart about it. That Hunt was a character that did get lost in his cause in a way 
that it didn't help him win. It's like, it's not that you give up the cause, but like, you just have to be smart about it. You can't get lost in the hate of the people you're trying to overthrow because that's where you start heading into villain territory is when you are fueled by hate rather than love for your people or just love for humanity and what human beings deserve being anchored in that place that I thought that that was a really important conversation to have and having that be, again, in a fantasy world where there's more modern implications to that. I mean, maybe we can just talk about his relationship with Shahar for a second, because I really thought that that was an interesting piece of his history, because he does talk about he comes from a more lowly background, and he was able to rise through the ranks thanks to her Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And he really just followed her. I don't want to say blindly because I wasn't there and I don't know, (laughs) but he followed her to whatever ends. And obviously Mm -hmm. they were lovers and all of that. I don't know how you perceived this relationship, but reading it, especially during the second half when Hunt is starting to make some comments about, well, Shahar would have appreciated this gift, but then she would have forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. And some little things when he kind of starts comparing Bryce to her that I just really feel like she wasn't in love with him, that they were lovers and he was very useful to the cause. Mm -hmm. Not to say that maybe there wasn't any affection there, but I almost feel like his love and devotion to Shahar was more one-sided than equal. Mm -hmm. So what was your take on that relationship? I think I would say that it edges more that way. And it's like not to say that Shahar like couldn't have loved him. But I think that with Hunt, to me, it felt very much like this is the first person who's ever bothered to look at you yeah. outside of what position society has put you in. And obviously, there's a lot of talk about how in Pangera, like that's a lot worse. And obviously, that was 200 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about how like she was the first to do that. She was the one that allowed him to rise up in the ranks who saw his worth. And I think when you feel so terribly about yourself and here's this person yeah. that I mean, she's the day star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the Lucifer figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like here's a person that is giving you a chance when no one else has. That feels different. It does. Rather than like, oh, everyone just treats me normally. And like, I just love her because of her. There's something to be said for someone being the first to recognize your worth and your value outside of that. But there's also some comments about how Shahar had obvious beef with her sister. Yeah. And he says, so he'd been unleashed upon her. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of got the impression that Shahar was really in the rebellion And maybe at times in it more to be against her sister, or at least at times maybe was just a little bit blinded to what is best for the cause because of the wound of her sister potentially killing their parents. But I understand his feelings of like, she died for this and having this really big traumatic event with starting the day with your loved ones and then ending the night and they're all gone. Like, this has been a big thing for Hunt. This is the moment that he lost the war. He lost his lover. He's been a slave since then. He hasn't had a real life Mm -hmm. since Shahar. So I just kind of felt like you're hanging on to something because that was the last piece of humanity you had like the last time you were allowed to feel like something more than a slave or a bastard or whatever lily position society has told him that he is where it's like you're gonna hang on to those little pieces of light when you're living in the dark i totally agree with that i just also feel like with some of the language and granted 
lovers can mean many different things. Mm-hmm. I just viewed it more as they were lovers in terms of they were intimate. And again, not saying that she didn't care for him. I just didn't really get the impression that she cared for him the way that he did for her, where he's like, yeah. I was in love with her. Mm-hmm. He never says like, we were in love, Yeah, that we were everything to each other. He never uses any phrasing like that. It's we were yeah. lovers. It's like, you can be lovers with someone and not have that kind of romantic attachment. Yeah. So it very much felt like Shahar is the leader and I am her commander and I am there to serve her. Yeah. Rather than being the unit that him and Bryce become together. And I think that's why it feels so different. But yeah, that was something that I was really trying to pay attention to this read. Because when I read it the first time, I was like, what is this? I don't like there being like pining going on because I want (laughs) you to be with Bryce. And I don't want this to feel like a betrayal if she was your mate or like something like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to feel the first time. But reading it this time, I was like, there's an edge that I just didn't quite pick up on. Yeah, because he does idolize her. It's the idea. Shahar being the day star, which is a reference to being Lucifer. There's something with that, with idolization, the fall of the day star, like they are the fall. And there's just something that's like not on equal footing there. I just don't think they were equals at all in that regard, which reading his reaction to that and how he still holds that just made it really sad. It's just like all those pieces of his history that I really felt for that I think all plays into what's actually my favorite part of his character journey and arc is that him being the Umber Mortis, the Mm -hmm. shadow of death. Hunt is very much a shadow of who he was as a person. He talks a lot about, I can't stand to look in the mirror because the person staring back at me, it's like, it's empty, it's hollow, it's nothing. When you think of just being a shadow and like kind of being a cavernous version of yourself, like a shell, Mm -hmm. that's really what he feels like. So with all of those things in his history and all the things that he currently still has to do, I love that him and Bryce found light in life again together. So like being the shadow of death, being like, okay, now you're... You're the shadow. Now you're becoming the full piece. You're not in death. You're finding life. The flip side of that title. And she's the light. And she's the light. I think there's just like a lot of really beautiful symbolism. And with that, it isn't just Bryce. Like he finds more friendship with Isaiah and with his Triari and with Syrinx and Lehaba and even Rune by the end. (laughs) I know. Hunt is finding life. And I think that's what makes their romance so beautiful is it's playing into that for both of them. But I just really loved that about him and then getting deeper into kind of like the reason he keeps fighting is because he says so living and living well it's the greatest fuck you you can ever give them yeah you can just really feel he's trying to hold on to the humanity within him like he says i'm an asshole but like i haven't lost all decency yet he's just trying to grasp at the straws of who he is as he's still having to do all of these terrible things and i thought it was really fun to just get into like guy hunt who loves watching reality tv with bryce and he's like i was the one that was turning the channel (laughs) going into their romance with all the photos and filling up his life Mm -hmm. because like when you talk about being a shadow that's like an empty thing so through their romance and all of the friendships and all of the things that he's filling up his life in very literal ways with photographs with friends with all the things with all the light in life i absolutely adored all that yeah i feel like one of my favorite little moments that i feel like really encapsulates that and It is a fun thing for his romantic relationship with Bryce, but him Skyping with her parents (laughs) of just like Hunt being 
like you said, in normal life. Yeah. Feeling like he fits in, like he's now tapping more into friendships. And I mean, I also love his relationship with Rune. Mm -hmm. But to have him just sit at a table and have like a normal interaction with someone's family where he's relating to her father, to Randall, and is beautifully navigating everything that Ember is kind of throwing at him because she's very interested. I mean, they're both very interested. But that he can sit there and just be with Bryce and that he snitches her out to her parents he about can her, her out fully. That was just so sweet to see this character, this male, mm-hmm. that has been through all of these things where everything has felt like life and death and being alone to having this really sweet, simple evening yeah. on video chat with Bryce's parents. Yeah, it's all those things that I think made Hunt feel really grounded as a character because he is the Umbra Mortis. He has lightning in his veins. It's like there's all this stuff. But he also just feels like a very normal, real person. He's just a guy. He's just a guy with his backwards baseball hat. (laughs) I thought that was really sweet. That was really silly. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was really sweet that that was the first thing that he went out and bought. Again, he's just like trying to hold on to the pieces of his humanity like he's trying not to become like Briggs yeah you can tell that really hit him because he's been through all of these things he's endured some of the same things Briggs has endured and he's just so desperately trying to hold on to the scraps of himself all these years that Bryce coming in and him opening his heart to all of the goodness that can flow in that was just so wonderful to watch him just receive love I know that gave me the warm and fuzzies it really did and obviously he gets points because of Cyrene and also him with Lahaba and being like, well, aren't you beautiful? Him just like kind of flirting with her and giving it to it's like, all right, my heart has been captured. <laughs> I honestly fell in love with him mm-hmm. in this book. He was really for me. Yeah. I know. I just really ate up all of the little moments. I mean, maybe we should get into him and Bryce. Let's do it. It's a lot of the book. It is. It's <laughs> my favorite part of the book. Well, I have a question for you. What did you think of their meet cute? Because they had a meet cute in an alley after she's been attacked and she almost kicks him in the balls and he like rips his helmet (laughs) off and he's like, calm down. And she just stares at him. And then later in the interrogation room, he comes in to actually try to help her and she throws up everywhere. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, nice job throwing that table. You know, it's not necessarily the way that I would want to meet a man. Not ideal. It's not ideal. But I I really liked it for them. I really liked that they were literally thrown into each other's worlds. Like Mm -hmm. when she's at her lowest, Hunt is in a low. He's not in a good spot either. He's been in a low for 200 years. Yeah. And I really like, I mean, they kind of battle their way up throughout the book. But I like that we start at that place where Hunt gets to see her form some incorrect impressions of her. Yes. But he gets to see her when she's in that spot so that when they work through those things, he can look back and see the truth and understand where she's coming from yeah. on a lot of that, which I think enables him to support her and show love to her in the way that she needs it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, as a couple, it really started out rough. I mean, like, how many times can he call her stupid in his inner dialogue? He's got cop brain where he's yeah. in the investigation and he's like, she doesn't know this or she's naive. She's, she's being spoiled. foolish. Yeah, she's doing all this. She's reckless. She's all these yeah. things. And I mean, I died when he was following her and she went to go get her nails done. That was one of my favorite things. <laughs> so triggered. 
and so triggered it kept going because he's like god how many coats of nail polish does she need <laughs> there's all these drills pure torture like he's so worked up meanwhile bryce is doing what i think just every woman can do which is girl investigation where like yeah. she found a dating app did some social media research and then just went in and like bonded and had an actual connection with someone like this is the power of female investigation first of all we're very good we're very good we can find all the information with no information to start with. Usually within about 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. It doesn't take very long. I love those pages of him being so angry and she comes out and she just doesn't give a shit. No. Doesn't even reveal in that moment, well, this is what I was actually doing. (laughs) She lets him sit in it. Yeah. She says, I let people show me who they are. I loved that. And then obviously not too long after that, that's when they go to the meat market Mm -hmm. and that kind of happens again where it's like, she's crazy. She's so stupid. We're gonna die and then she actually knows what she's doing yeah she knows everyone in there she is familiar with salts and knows how to summon demons and all that stuff so i like that it was rough at the beginning it creates the tension and then when we got to the point where he moves in with her i was so sold i was so attached to every moment that had to do with their relationship even if they were fighting in the moment i loved them together and kind of working things out and working together with the investigation yeah. just all this stuff in the apartment the little things they're just funny they like are. they just made me laugh i felt like i just wanted in my notes to just write the book yeah because i'm like this back and forth is so good it's the perfect blend of there's tension and like pushing at each other because hunt doesn't back down mm-hmm. either there's definitely moments where he learns how to give her space like when she reacts to him he's like okay i'm gonna see you at home and like yeah. gives her the space and he learns through getting to know her when not to push because she does have a wound about the alpha holes and all that kind of stuff but i like that he's also very blunt with her they say that they're mirrors so like in that way there's so much good tension that comes with that when there's a friendship first because Mm -hmm. you feel like you just can be that way when you're not trying to impress someone for romantic ulterior motives like you can just be what you are i loved all of their time in the apartment i did too and i love how quickly and easily he felt that natural pull to her yeah even when they weren't necessarily in official friendship space Mm -hmm. or romantic space he has the instinct to like grab her hand yeah or to look out for her and obviously he always shows up to protect her and look after her to do his job and to just kind of care for her in that way even when she's pissed at him yeah as she does for him too yeah it's very equal in that way and i think that's what i really loved about their dynamic is that it did have that equality of fighting for the other person caring for the other person making amends with the other person like i loved when hunt really sat with all of the trauma and the grief and the full understanding of what bryce had been through Mm -hmm. going back through all of those thoughts that we read he's like i was really wrong and acknowledging that when he's like standing on the roof across from the white raven and he's like i checked my phone like five times feeling like an idiot because he's just like waiting for her to text him i loved again it's mixing the oh he's the umbra mortis and like (laughs) he's the big assassin and all that stuff with like well we watched reality tv tonight and he's waiting for her text yeah and him making breakfast and all of the little 
little things. I just love there's such a groundedness in the relationship. They're both just figuring the other out and what the other needs because you don't know what someone needs until you get to know them and they tell you what they need. They make mistakes and then just apologize and get past it and learn to be better going forward. That that just felt like this is actually how relationships are. If you want your relationship to be successful, I think that's how it needs to be. And so to see them in a functioning relationship Mm -hmm. in this book, it wasn't, oh, well, we're pining and we're not quite sure like what they would look like as a couple because they don't get together until the end type of setup. You guys are functioning like a couple even before you're romantic Mm -hmm. in that way, which I just really enjoyed every single moment of that. And I just love how proud he is of her, Mm -hmm. of her strength, even kind of in that last 200 page bit when Bryce is really in it and Hunt is terrified. He looks at her and he's just so proud of like how she's handling herself, of really just taking pride and having that adoration for your partner or for Mm -hmm. the person you love was so endearing. It was, especially when they're two characters that they feel like other people can't handle them. Yeah. Like we see with Bryce at the shooting ring where Mm -hmm. there's a vulnerability in being that version of herself and with Hunt being the umbra mortis and doing what he does. They both have a wound about just others not being able to handle it. And it's so precious that they just find their way to that. And it's rough and it's messy. (laughs) But everything they've been through is messy. It's like their lives just are messy. And it's such a beautiful journey through it that just made me laugh and kick my feet and like scream because I'm like, oh, the tension. Just the progression of it, because this is also a big book. The progression felt really natural. It did. It didn't move through any piece too quickly, in my opinion. I love just going back to the shooting range scene because she does have that thought in that moment of he's seeing the real me of Mm -hmm. what I can do. And that intimidates a lot of guys. And she's feeling vulnerable in that way. And I really like that for them, it's in the scenes of vulnerability like that, that they have those moments where it's like, oh, we are the same. We're an equal match. He can take me on. She can look out for me. Yeah. That that's when they lock eyes and there's that mutual understanding of this is real. This is something. He also felt a lot of things down south. He felt a lot of things in his pants for her in that that moment. moment. And I was like, (laughs) I get it. (laughs) I was like, I'm feeling some heat coming off of Bryce right now. Like, I get it. (laughs) I mean, her shooting the target target three times in the same place and then him shooting it right through the center match made in heaven i love the equality because there is a lot of like okay i saved you no now i'm saving you and now i'm saving you and now yeah. i'm saving you that like it's never too off kilter even when he comes down in the elevator with her and like sandriel's there and he freezes and she pulls out her phone and is like <laughs> taking pictures like yeah. oh thanks for bringing me here to take pictures those kinds of saving each other moments yeah. like those got me in the feels and then also make me laugh that kind of friendship i got your back Mm -hmm. it's another ride or die yeah kind of energy which obviously leading into the last piece of the book that is the energy that they go in for i know and i loved his recognition of she's playing the dumb girl to give me an out yeah i was so wrong Mm -hmm. and so is everyone else about bryce yeah i just love (laughs) that recognition more than once and the personal accountability for it yeah and also i really like because as we've said Bryce has this wound around the alpha holes that they have conversations about that because here is Hunt who he looks like one Mm -hmm. he's a big strong man with all those abs where she's like oh my god I saw it before those are looking (laughs) real nice today like he has some of those things but I love the conversation they have it actually like made me die laughing because she's like you possessive males you get mated 
mated and then all of you want to get mated god forbid you have babies and i'm like boys this just a shout out to some of the other characters in sarah's books oh yes <laughs> like i feel like sarah is like roasting her own characters yeah. right now <laughs> like in other series but i love that hunt kind of through multiple conversations is like i'm not protective because i don't want you to be you i just don't want you to die and we're like on a case or just because i have an opinion doesn't mean that i want you not to have an opinion like Mm -hmm. we need to both exist and just be who we are and i felt like that is just a balance that i think a lot of women are trying to find with men when you have this history of men behaving a certain way trying to take away your autonomy trying to tell you who you are what you can do with your body all of these things that sometimes just a man being like i have an opinion is like first of all how dare you first of all shut your mouth (laughs) like i think this is just a big wound for a lot of women Mm -hmm. and i liked her working through that with him and him just being very aware of it and also putting it back on her and being like look you snarl and growl you're fiercely protective it's like you're the alpha hole because you're throwing yourself on top of juniper look at all of the things you do that the difference is all of that comes from a place of love or like the alpha hole thing that's an ego driven issue versus with Hunt and Rune and like the other males who actually love her in her life. It's about loving someone and protecting them and being there just out of love. I totally agree. I love too on top of that, just that there are two people that can talk about it. These aren't things yeah. that they have an aha moment about on their own or with mm-hmm. another woman or like another guy. I like that all of this is just stemming from their own interactions with each other and really just putting in the work to make their relationship work yeah. to connect deeper with each other that that's a them thing. Mm-hmm. They are the catalyst for each other. They're the mirror. Yeah. So I think that just really made them compelling as two characters that are going through their own arc and trials and how all of their own individual triggers and their desires and all that stuff, while they were mirrors to each other, they were also just very different and then complemented each other on top of that. Yeah, In a absolutely. real way. It's very, very real to me. Very much so. I mean, maybe we can just talk about some of our favorites, Bryce and Hunt moments. Let's do top three favorite moments. As if we could just choose three. But we're going to choose three. I have a very long list. Every moment is a favorite. I mean, if you guys just pick up the book, you can reference all of my favorite moments Mm -hmm. right there. Absolutely. All 800 pages of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just go back and forth. Okay. Just we'll seesaw it. We'll seesaw this. My first one is when they go to the crime scene mm-hmm. after the shooting range. They've had their little I see you, look, we can both shoot guns moment. And Hunt now is tuned into the fact that going to a crime scene is very triggering for her. Yes. He wasn't quite tuned into it before because Hunt has this deal with Micah that's mm-hmm. also blinded him and like played a very big part in their relationship and just his view of her. Yeah. But he says, I can look for us. And she says, us, like they were a unit against this fucking mess of a world. And he just like has his hand on her back and he's making these sweeping motions. And it's also just an example of like, they have really good physical chemistry. Yes, they do. And comfortability with one another that I just really like the, I can look for us. He is like, we are an us. I'm going to like, got me. start getting emotional as we go through <laughs> these moments. <laughs> okay, your turn. 
Okay. I think if I had to pick a top moment. Oh, like the top. A near impossible task. I have a feeling this is going to be the same. It probably is because it's so good. Because it's the best. The scene when Hunt is sent out on a mission as punishment from Micah and he comes home and he is unwell. He is disconnected from all things good. Yeah. Bryce even sees him walking through the door because she's trying to make an effort to make him feel better. And she was worried about him. Yeah. He wasn't home and she was freaking out and calling Rune. And Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that, first of all, was starting to get me. Yeah. Because she's like, I don't want to overstep. And then she's like, fuck overstepping. Yeah. I'm going to find him. (laughs) (laughs) And so when he comes through the door and she says, this is a male I don't recognize. And he goes in to take a shower and 40 minutes pass and the shower is still on and she starts getting worried obviously Mm. and she goes in and i love that just all sense of (laughs) it's like propriety Mm -hmm. are dropped she just nudges her way in and she sees that he is naked sitting in the shower with the boiling hot water just scalding his skin just really punishing himself for whatever he's just done and bryce's instinct to just wash it off where she shampoos his hair it's so sweet and precious because there's a level of awkwardness in there like he's naked in the shower but every step of what she does had me in tears and Mm -hmm. he just like lets her because he just he needs her Mm -hmm. and You can't be any more vulnerable physically or emotionally than he was in that scene. Yeah. This is him at his core when he is at his deepest and darkest. So her cleaning him up, dressing him. I also want to shout out to lavender soap being used. If you've read other Sarah books, you know. Lavender soap can be very triggering for some of us. It can be. And that she just puts his underwear on him and tucks him into bed. And he, without speaking, because he doesn't say, I think, a word during this entire thing, he asks her to stay. He grabs her hand. He just grabs her hand. She knows what that means. And she just falls asleep. That was just everything. That just, like, broke me. I think, like you said, it's like, you just don't get more vulnerable than that. And the true sense of emotional and physical intimacy Mm -hmm. in that kind of action, in that kind of care and love for him, but then also him letting her see that. Yeah. Like, this is something that when we open up the book with him, he does that. He goes into the shower. This is his ritual of I've done something that I can't deal with, even though he says these guys kind of deserve it. These are bad people. He's hurting, but because that doesn't make you feel better about any kind of thing like that. And that's why he is different from Briggs. This is his way of punishing himself. Like you said, like washing it away. Maybe some of it is just trying to feel anything because he's just empty and having Bryce go in there. Like you said, every step of the way of her calling Rune and Pam panicking, going in, dressing him. And then when he carries her to bed later and he sees all of the messages of Rune saying like, okay, I assume like everything's fine. And he's followed up with her hunt understanding. This is the kind of love Bryce gives. Yeah, I loved every single moment of that. I ate that up. That is a scene from the book from when I read it the first time that I have carried in my heart and soul. There's just something so precious. And that's what I will do going forward because that is really just the moment that stands out for me as well. So, I mean, that really just like set the stage for how I felt about them as a couple moving forward. So, yes, I will agree. That is also my (laughs) technical top favorite moment. I did not mention it first, but it is my favorite moment. My third, I will say, because I've done like two nice scenes, I'll add in some sexiness. Mm. Them in the kitchen 
when she's getting hot and bothered and he looks at her and he's like what are you thinking about yeah their whole i'm not going to get into all the lines they have but like their whole back and forth in that kitchen i was like i'm screaming i'm loving this are you kidding me this tension is amazing yeah i'm eating this up gobbling it down this is thanksgiving dinner christmas dinner my birthday cake all in one being gobbled gobbled it up yeah (laughs) and i just love that it's so immediate it's the second she feels that arousal and herself he turns he's like what are you thinking about (laughs) (laughs) i love that so much so my second moment and this just really got me and i i don't necessarily know why because i am not someone that likes the term sweetheart Mm -hmm. when i read that nickname that term of endearment in books when it's romantically used i don't really care for it i don't really feel like it oftentimes carries any sentiment behind it because it feels familial it does but when hunt uses it i feel very differently and the scene that really got me is when she's getting the thing pulled out of her leg and he says i've got you sweetheart i've got you and he's just there with her it's right before they kiss yeah and obviously that as well as a beautiful moment where the light comes back into her because she's having that removed and the timing yeah. with hunt and everything lots of symbolism so much symbolism but just him being there for her and using those words because like you said in the first scene that you mentioned about them being a unit mm-hmm. him phrasing it that way we're a couple yeah we're in this together that's not something i think in the way that he says it mm-hmm. that you would mistake for any other type of meaning so for him to do that also in front of someone else i thought was just so precious and it made me really really emotional that sweetheart just really got me yeah that's a great scene I have like so many. It's really hard to choose a third. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if I had to maybe pick one that stood out the most to me because I just kept thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But when Bryce is coming back up after making the drop Mm -hmm. and Hunt is giving her like the lightning compressions and he says, what you waited to admit until I was almost dead, you fucking coward. Okay, yes. Him saying that to her and like calling her a coward yeah or like she said i love you right before or like she said as i love like you dying. as he's dying he's like last breath kind of death moment yeah and just that desperation that love but there's him like calling her a fucking coward yeah and, like, challenging her to come back and come yell at me about this or come contradict me yeah i just really sat with that I was like, oh my, like, why is this the thing? Okay, I'm going to change my list. Like, that's my number two. Okay. Shower and then that moment. Yeah. Well, I'll take the sexy one away. (laughs) If we're just doing like nice emotional moments, it's like that really hit me. I'm like, I'm feeling this physically in my body. I'm having a reaction of him calling her a fucking coward. That isn't my go-to of what I like to hear men call women, especially in a romantic setting. But But like, what it is, it's the challenge. I'm saying this thing to you come back and tell me that i'm wrong yeah and him just being so infuriated there was just something so raw yeah in it that yeah i've thought about that a lot since i've read the book so that would be my number three i could give you 12 more but <laughs> those are my top three okay also just a quick shout out i love that whenever things are heating up between them they always get interrupted <laughs> by either him bleeding on the couch or a demon or parents or mm. the asteri i know because they have hooked up they have i mean i died laughing when bryce says he had the nerve to ask if he was cleared for sex <laughs> <I know. laughs> he just got his wings chopped off he's bleeding on the couch and that's his question I'm like this is a guy this is a guy this is not the umbra mortis this is a guy i loved it that tickled me 
All right. We have arrived at the final 200 page mark. We've arrived in the ending. We've talked about a lot of characters. We have. (laughs) I think we need to go back to the plot a little bit. (laughs) So to lead us into that, I have a question for you. Yes. Did you have any theories on what the hell was going on with Danica, the murders, the demon, or the horn? Usually in murder mystery or mystery stories, I am detective. Mm -hmm. I am taking mental notes. This is my first and foremost thing to do is to figure out the murder. Mm -hmm. In this book, I did not do that. I was more concerned with the relationships and the Mm -hmm. romance and all that. And there were so many twists and turns that in my head, it was like, don't get attached to any theory yeah, because it's going to change. And what I really did do was I called upon the wisdom of a very familiar figure Mm -hmm. for you and I, and that would be of Dwight K. Schrute. And Dwight's piece of wisdom is that it is always the person that you most medium suspect. Mm -hmm. And that was Micah for me. Every time I read anything with a murder mystery or any mystery, I think of that. Yeah. It is the person you most medium suspect. And like 95% of the time, that's true for me. Yeah. Because getting into it, I think Sabine Mm -hmm. is the most obvious choice in terms of like motive. She's angry. Mm -hmm. She's really horrible. All the things. Things, but that felt too easy. Yeah. Like, we've arrived at this accusation kind of early. Mm-hmm. And Micah really comes off like not only a douche, but just a horrible person. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like a good guy for many, many reasons. And part of me was like, you know, I think it could easily be him. And as the story kind of progressed, he really fell into that category. So when it was yeah. revealed, I was like, well, of course, <laughs> because of he's course. the most medium suspect. I mean, what about you? I mean, speaking to Micah being the most medium suspect, I think we can look to Hunt's view of Micah as him being the most medium because Hunt is always like, I think about killing Micah every day. Yeah. But you know what? He's not as bad because at least he's giving me a chance at redemption. Like, it's always that. It was like, oh, he's being merciful to me right now, but I hate him and he's a douchebag and he should die. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, you've presented those two opposite things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, he's not the worst <laughs> compared to everyone else. He's not the best. And like, people praise him for being the archangel and the governor of progress. Yeah. But Hunt wants to kill him. There's mediumness here. And he never gets over it either. It's a very consistent thing throughout. Yeah. So here's the thing. I knew... Micah was to blame for Danica and the Pax deaths. Mm-hmm. However, I distanced myself from that and like kind of chose not to even think about was he responsible for everything mm-hmm. or how was he responsible? The details of things were yeah. just like distant in my mind. And I think throughout the story, I was just so focused on holding on to where we were in the investigation that I wasn't even thinking about what I remembered actually being the answer. Yeah. Because there are all the elements of like, okay, looking for the murders and to find the murders, we have to find the demon and to find the demon, we need the synth and like Mm -hmm. the synth is connected to the salts. And like, if you have the horn, you'll find the demon. But if you find the demon, maybe you can find something else. It's like, (laughs) there's a lot of that that I was trying to hold on to. It's like, okay, Sabine swapped the tapes. So now Sabine is it. But that's just about the demon. Maybe it's not even about the horn. For like some people, it was about the horn and then for other people it wasn't about the horn and the demon wasn't the thing that killed Danica and yeah. the pack. Like, 
there were just all of these different conversations that I was just so focused on trying to make sure that I could comprehend what the case even was. I wasn't even thinking about it. I don't know what part of my brain I go to where I exist there, where like (laughs) I just choose to forget things or I know it behind a silk screen, Mm -hmm. but I ignore it. And then when we get to the Micah part, I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) I'm like, you'll never guess who it was. Yeah, I thought that this murder mystery was really interesting because there was something in my mind. I guessed that Bryce was connected to the horn, Mm -hmm. but I can't tell you why I thought that. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't find the trail. It was almost just like an intuitive thing. It's going to be right in front of us. It's going to be right in front of us. And it's Bryce in the horn. Mm -hmm. And obviously the tattoo made complete sense. I mean, speaking of The Office, with that reveal, all I could hear was Michael Scott singing the Princess Unicorn jingle (laughs) of my... My horn can pierce the sky. Boy, did it. It really did. But yeah, I just thought it was so wild that I almost felt like there was no time to try to sit down and figure out (laughs) what happened. I mean, getting into the last 200 pages or so. Mm-hmm. The summit, saving the city. A marathon. It was. And the Micah and Bryce scene, that was enough for like most authors. This is the climax. <laughs> like that's it. And then like, you're done. You're done. It's one of them survives, obviously <laughs> Bryce. And then you're reunited with everyone and you're like, wow, that was crazy. Look what I did. Yeah. No, 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 no. So I feel like because this is kind of a tough section to talk about because there's so many moving pieces to it. And we're seeing it from all the different point of views because we're not experiencing all of the Micah stuff with Bryce. No, we're we're at the summit watching it. And then sometimes we're with her. Shout out to the screens. Shout out to those screens and shout out to Declan for being real good with those screens. So maybe we can just go through each of those pieces. General chunks. And we can just maybe each share like what scene or piece of it stood out to us the most mm-hmm. because there's like 50 things in each. Sure. So so starting with Micah and Bryce kind of like through his death maybe? Yeah. I mean starting off <laughs> I died when Sandriel is like he said he had a meeting. Sandriel who we've fool. been postured as like she's an evil terrible person. She's like what? He said he had a meeting. <laughs> I can't believe he did that. I thought we were best buddies. <laughs> now we're not. we're not. I mean, I think the standout is Lehaba. Yeah. And then Bryce literally killing Micah, setting up the stage for all that. Everyone's reactions oh, at man. the summit to watching her killed me like even Tristan being like run Bryce run like the little characters that aren't even as attached to Bryce having this reaction to this everyone trying to deal with the fact that they're about to watch Bryce die like they all just kind of feel like this is about to go down I know like Therian and Fury when she's in the tank and he's like don't look back keep swimming just don't look back again shout out to the screens it was so compelling even in this scene there's so many different parts to it because she's in the tank Micah's in the bathroom Lehaba Micah giving his big long spiel I mean Micah Spiel. I was like, you've been waiting for this. Villains love to talk. They keep their plans bottled up inside them. And it's Mm -hmm. so nice when someone finally asks. Yeah. And I mean, I'm like, Bryce did ask, what was the deal with the crystals? Did you let it do that? Mm -hmm. Did that go wrong? And he just frowns at her and doesn't answer. Like, Micah, was that an accident? I think that was an accident. (laughs) You're not wanting to own up to the fact that you let that get a little out of hand. I mean, I was already kind of sick when Micah is throwing her around Mm -hmm. because he throws her real hard. Yes, he does. All around, like bones are snapping. I got sicker 
when he injects her with the synth. Yep. And then barf energy really peaked when he goes and picks up Cyrinx and throws him in the cage with the nuke. And I think that's how you pronounce that. Megan and I spent like 20 <laughs> minutes last night tried. searching and people can't even agree on how no. it's pronounced. Not on the internet, at least. I'm sure there is an actual answer, but I'm going to say nuke. I audibly let out a noise <laughs> when he <laughs> put Cyrinx in the tank. Because Cyrinx is dead. Yes. It's not like he's just at the surface swimming. No, he drowns. That was the sickest thing I've ever read. I The notes I have on that, none of them are good. Like, this is worse than Danica and everyone being in piles. Yeah. Like, this is worse. A thousand percent. I agree with everything you just said. It is really difficult to kind of pick the moment. Lehiba's death, her sacrifice, was really, really rough. I cried so hard. Her using the phrase, my friends are with me and I am not afraid. SJM has used a similar phrase in other books before and it always gets me. And this coming off of the fact that Bryce has freed her, Mm -hmm. that she's doing this as a freed person and her looking at Micah and saying for Cyrinx yeah. before she oh my God, I'm getting chills right now. I know, takes out the tank. Currently getting triggered. I obviously knew that if something happened to her, I would be upset. I didn't realize I would be that upset because I yeah. cried so much. And they also swap I love you's. Like yeah. this is we get an I love you with them before we get it with Hunt or anyone else really. And like you said, Lehaba saying, then let the world know that my first act of freedom was to help my friends. And Bryce understanding, I think the fact that the scene is still in action that this was just to buy her time, Mm -hmm. that her dying for this wasn't going to kill Micah. Yeah. And so that being the catalyst moment Mm -hmm. for me, when Bryce went forward and picked up the God Slayer rifle, I was cheering and screaming. And the escalation from that moment of grabbing the rifle and then cutting Micah in half Mm -hmm. with Danica's sword. Yeah. And then lighting him on fire, pouring the gasoline on him, lighting him on fire. And then, of course, wrapping it up with pulling out the vacuum. I was just like, how on God's green earth would you top this moment? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's just the start. We're done. I'm like, there's more pages. There's more. And like so much is happening. And I'm crying because of Lehaba. I'm crying because they're at the summit and Hunt talking about how like they all stand and put their hands on their hearts. Everyone is giving this final salute. The only thing they can do, the angels and the fae, because she is a member of their house. That this is all they can do for someone who is sacrificing her life for her friends. And then, like you said, watching Bryce do the God Slayer. I'm like, I'm so glad the gun thing came back around because that is something with Bryce where her dad is the sharpshooter. Yeah. And she mentions multiple times, like, she knows how to handle a gun. This is her way of protection. It could be the difference between life or death for her in the city. She says that within yeah. the first, like, 50 pages that handling a gun does make a difference for her as a half human. And the moment that he comes up, he whirls towards the open door that she had left for him so he wouldn't look up and wouldn't have time to even glance in her direction before she pulls the trigger. And I love... 
Hunt saying, and she shot that bullet right through Micah's fucking head. And then it took me a minute to realize that when she jumps out of the office window and slices him in half, that because Micah's an archangel, time has slowed. So she shot him in the head, but he didn't fall down. He is still standing and she is slicing him down the middle. Yep. I had to read that again because I was like, (laughs) wait, wait a moment. I thought you just beheaded him. No, you got sliced down the middle like in the Kingsman. Yeah, Kingsman style. Sliding right down in two halves. Slipped right off and then she did it some more. And my favorite little ending note after she's vacuumed him up back at the summit. Sandriel just gaped at the feed that had shown Bryce Quinlan casually vacuuming up the ashes of a governor as if she'd spilled chips on the carpet. That line has stuck with me for years. Amazing. Sandriel being bamboozled really kills me. It was great. It's hilarious. Well, speaking of the summit... Did you have any standout moments from that group? It is kind of hard to compete with what's going on with Bryce. Yeah, I think it was just like a lot of little stuff in the little reactions. I mean, like I said, I love Hypaxia pointing at the screen and saying, I would rather die like her than watch Innocence die while I'm sitting here. Yeah. And like watching Bryce through the streets and her like screaming to the people, get into the shelters. I was crying just watching her do that. Mm -hmm. I actually really like seeing the little reactions of the Autumn King. Because he even is like, drop the chimera. He's kind of quietly pushing her along and through the drop and all of that. He's like, she can't do it. And Declan's like, that's sorrow. He is feeling things for his daughter. I'm just so interested, like, what these reactions are. But I mean, besides Hunt. Ripping off the head? Ripping off the head of Sandriel, which I did like the shout out to when we first meet Hunt. Isaiah's like, yeah, I know you didn't catch the demon because if you did, you'd be here with its severed head in your hand. And there he is. He caught his demon. There he is. With her head in his hand. Love that for him. But besides like those big moments, I adored Rune falling to his knees when Bryce is lighting up her star power. That got me in the feels. What about you? Yeah, I would say that all of those moments you just listed were definitely on my list. I think a little tiny moment that I actually really like that stuck with me was just the Asteri coming into view for the summit (laughs) and arriving and people getting physically ill. (laughs) At that, like when they leave, people are throwing up all over the place. It's like the whole room needed a second to take a breath. I really like that of really setting the tone for who they are and meeting. Is it Regulus? Regulus? I say Regulus like Regulus Black. Okay. I don't know if that's correct, but... Because I'm really fascinated with him, but he's in a teenage boy body. He is. And I'm like, ew, you are gross and you are (laughs) scary. First of all, ew. Second of all, ew. So I like that him and Hunt were making scary eyes at each other. Mm-hmm. And then he pieces out. But yeah, just really him ripping her head off. Yeah. Not cutting it off. And he kind of envelops her in a little bit of a lightning storm, burns her from the inside out. Mm-hmm. So he really got his vengeance. He did. Also, Hypaxia just taking the crown off of him. Yeah. I really liked. She's like, remember that conversation we had? Do you want to kill her? Yeah. Okay. Let's see what happens. Go kill her. (laughs) I mean, I just loved the chaos of the summit and seeing everyone's reactions. I mean, it goes on because obviously Hunt and the gang go get in Fury's helicopter and go off. Yeah. And we still have Sabine and others waiting behind and we get Declan's point of view. 
But I love it's like Therion is yelling at his people saying, go to the surface, bring people underneath, like feeling the desperation of some of these characters like Sabine and Amelie, who have been assholes, but seeing them trying to get people to Bryce, trying to get people inside, actually doing their job to help the city and like seeing their shame and seeing Sabine realize what's going on with Danica, like her crying, all of that chaos of the good guys doing what the good guys need to do, but then also seeing the people we didn't like have some very humanizing moments i was just eating every second of that up i loved viewing bryce's time through that i mean leading into bryce in the streets i need to express my absolute adoration for the scene with her and ethan when she screamed out there are children here there are babies. That is something I have always remembered. I like even thinking about it, like I feel like I want to sit down and weep. And then hearing Ethan come in saying, I'm coming, Bryce. Yeah. That was everything. That was everything. And that is something like I think about that on a regular basis, her screaming, there are children here and then saying there are babies. The first time I read this book, I lost it at that point. That was like my hardest cry. And I actually think it was my hardest cry this time as well. And I love every moment of Ethan talking about how like the foxes and the wolves, like all of the different canines coming together. And them fighting side by side, where one falters, the other one gets it, where one stumbles, the other doesn't. Them coming together, despite the fact that we haven't seen them interact that much, Mm -hmm. there was such a potency to it that I was like, I'm obsessed with this. Well, also, this is coming off of Bryce in their last interaction, looking at Ethan saying, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. You're pathetic, essentially. Connor would be disappointed in Mm -hmm. the leadership that you're following and the way that you're behaving, like despite everything or any issue that he would have with her. So the fact that he comes through after that moment and then Bryce taking a step back when they're both running for the shelter and (sighs) pushing him in as the door closes so that she's out there by herself and like you can hear who you assume is Ethan on the other side like trying to bang the door open to get to her the mica scene the summit scene it's like how is this just getting better and it's like how are we talking and it was topping it it was that was so striking so we have that and then we move into bryce's starborn reveal this whole time she's had this lovely starlight power which she's like this isn't anything Bryce, come on. She's like, I just thought I could blind people and I didn't really care about it. It's just blinding people. (laughs) That's all it is. It's the power of blinding people. But we have this reveal. She is the horn. Her Mm -hmm. horn can pierce the sky. (laughs) Horn and wielder are one and the same. She goes to the heart gate, uses her starborn power to shut down that gate. And in that, we get the flashback to the motorcycle incident. Sons of Anarchy moment. The Sons of Anarchy, the I love you, realizing what that is, realizing that like, oh, the star sword, that's also Bryce's sword. Mm -hmm. They have a shared sword, Rune and Bryce. Yep. Very nice. I mean, was that a surprise to you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That she was starborn and horn. You know... I wasn't thinking about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So when that came in, it's like, oh, okay, yes. Now all of this makes sense. We're like, oh, plot in history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the line about, you know, her light could heal the world. And then it literally did. It quite literally did. It put people back together. It put buildings back together. Yeah. Once she made that drop. I was like, damn. Because, I mean, she closes the heart gate, but it's just the one. It's just the <laughs> it's one. It's just the one gate. She needs some more oomph. 
she needs some more oomph and missiles are coming in because the Asteri have been notified of her special powers. It is the outbreak moment from that movie of the town is sick. Let's just blow it up. Let's just blow it up. And who do we have diving from the sky? It's Hunt. That made my mouth drop when he lands. The square is decimated. It's not looking good. And she says something that's like, it's not ash, but a gray feather that lands on her. And like, I remembered him protecting her. I did not remember the very specific description of him being sprawled out. His wings are missing. There is a hole in his body where his wings should be. His legs are gone. Mm -hmm. His right arm is gone. That was such a barf. I did not remember it being like that bad. Yeah. I mean, I assume that he would heal himself, but that was still a thing to take in that was unhealable because he had his arteries severed because we get introduced to the idea that like you can just grow back things but not if it's beyond a certain point and he's beyond that point but kate we still had pages left we still had pages. you weren't worried about <laughs> it him. was gonna be okay that was one thing i had complete trust and i'm like i know that this is bad i don't know how this is gonna work out but like it's gonna work out you can't like kill two of her love interests no. <laughs> you just can't do that no but then we get to her making the drop and when she is calling out via the little chat things in the square to anyone and she's like please anyone and still there's no one responding to her yeah she's just like i just need someone to anchor me anyone anybody anything and when it said light it up bryce coming from the bone quarter i lost my shit And reading that, it's like, you know what? I should have seen this coming uh-huh. because there was a lot of setup that supports it getting there. The fact that Danica is there, mm-hmm. that there, I think there's a mention of that it does go into the bone quarter. So I should have known, but I was so emotional, like reading that and that she gets to make the drop with Danica. She gets to do it with her like they were planning that whole process, the whole dive down into it, all of their conversation. It gave me another kick in the emotional gut when Bryce asks if Connor is there. Yeah. And she says that him and the rest of the pack are holding off the Reapers so that she could do this. I just wanted to die. I just got to chill. I know. I just want to (laughs) cry. Just want (laughs) to get off the podcast and go have a moment to myself. And that, like you touched on earlier, that Danica convinces her and uses Connor as well. That Connor wants you to have more. Mm -hmm. We don't want you to stay here with us. We want you to go live and love and all of the things and gives her everything that she has left. Yeah, I thought that that was so beautiful, especially like we were talking about earlier. Bryce was a character that she was living high and then went low and then has been fighting her way back up that literally being kind of like in the love and then having all of that taken away like hunt is dying all this stuff she's kind of reliving a worse nightmare again that she's going down into like the darkest part of yourself they say like you face your soul down there all of these things and then her fight all the way back up and like defying the odds jessica and the autumn king are like she can't do this like no one has done this danica can't be an anchor i love the high of her going down and you see her power registering a decimal over the autumn king <laughs> and then you get to that point and everyone says that mm-hmm. no she's gone she can't come back up from this none of this matters yeah and everyone having to sit with 
with that for a minute. And the fact that through love, all is possible, that theme blasts her out and back into life where Hunt is waiting for her, calling her a fucking coward. Yeah. And I love that it's Sabine that's like Danica's with her. She's not alone. Through love, all is possible. That was a nice little moment, I think, for Sabine. I was like, okay, this is actually getting to me a little bit. (laughs) God damn it, Sabine. God damn it, Sabine. (laughs) Yeah. So Bryce comes back up and she's like, did you just call me a fucking coward? (laughs) And I just love that he laughs. He's like, so what if I did? Like Immediately. It worked. It's like, yeah, we both were basically on the brink of death. (laughs) Bryce heals everything and everyone Mm -hmm. with her first light. That grid is lit up, closes all of the portals. Demons are gone, chased away. At one point, I'm like, this is like a Marvel movie with the demons flying out. I feel like every Marvel movie, there's aliens flying out of a portal that shouldn't be there. Also, Sarah likes portals. so Sarah does like portals. (laughs) So Bryce has outed her power. She has closed the gates, gotten rid of the demons, healed everyone and everything, except for the people that were already dead. RIP. And she has her man. Micah has been reprimanded and vacuumed. Got what was coming to him. He got what was coming to him. Bryce cleaned up. Mystery has been solved. (laughs) It was a gas leak. <laughs> I know. I love that she tells the guys like, yeah, it's just a private mess. Yeah. I need to clean up. Don't worry about you it. You get it. It's private. So now moving into the ending, did you have any favorite last moments in the ending of like, okay, we're all okay. We're all right. Yeah. We made it. I mean, obviously, I love the note that we leave Hunt and Bryce on. Mm-hmm. I feel like that goes without saying. But my favorite moment was Bryce responding to Connor's text. Yeah. Two years later, responding, I'm home. And her reading those messages that she's really tortured herself with. Yeah. For the past two years and taking them in one more time and then deleting them. So her Mm -hmm. setting them free and then... What really sent me over the edge, let me tell you, <laughs> please tell me, is when she like looks over and sees that the under king has given her a gift and she sees all six of the pack. Obviously, Danica would be the seventh. She's mm-hmm. not there, but she sees them for just a moment. The tallest lifting his hand in greeting, which is Connor, mm-hmm. and she blows him a kiss. I was unwell. <laughs> <laughs> so emotional just everything in that moment and connor standing there i'm so attached to you like we said earlier in the episode and you were only on the page for like such a brief period of time Mm -hmm. but then like danica he's also had such an impact on her and stuck with her but her saying i'm home and releasing that like deleting those messages yeah everything that went behind that that would be my favorite moment (laughs) and my most emotional one at the end of the book what about you I mean, I totally agree <laughs> with all of that. So I will add when she sees Rune again. Yeah. He's like, I thought you were dead like 10 fucking times. <laughs> I thought you were dead. <laughs> and him telling her, I don't care if I'm called Prince or Starborn or the Chosen One or any of that. Yeah. The only thing I want to be called right now is your brother, if you'll have me. I was like, yeah. that is so sweet is and so nice. nice. <laughs> so I think those are my top two. I mean, I died because Hunt and Bryce just like want to have sex. He's like, you ready to do this? And then what happens? She gets a phone call from Mama, and she also gets another phone call from teenage heartthrob Regulus. Though I will say he does free Hunt as a gesture of gratitude. But it doesn't feel as good as it should. No, but we in this moment are going to look at the positives. We're going to look at the positives. That is something that he's been trying to do for a very long time, and Mm -hmm. he's free now. Yeah. What will become of that freedom, we'll have to find out. He is free to try to finally sleep with Bryce. He might try. They might get interrupted by more phone calls. So ending the book, 
We have an epilogue, Adis and Jessica. So happy to see them. I'm glad I got one last laugh in when Jessica tells him, you know, you're not a true cat, don't you? You don't need to lick yourself. And Adis says, who says I don't enjoy licking myself? <laughs> it's like, okay, good. I, I'm glad I can end on like a nice little laugh. So it's revealed that Bryce has Thea's light. It makes Adis's blood sing. It makes Adis's blood sing. He will never forget that light. There is a reference to Hunt's father and how Jessica knew him the best yep and jessica tells him don't fuck us over this time Adis." and he's like don't worry about it i wouldn't do that when things are about to get interesting yeah what a way to set up the next book i don't even know what i think about any of that i don't either i don't have any theories for any of you new listeners we are not a theories podcast that's not where we shine (laughs) sometimes we call things sometimes we just go along for the ride and in that scene that was me I was like, I can't wait to find out what this is about. Yes. I love that ending of the book. I'm like, okay, I'm definitely intrigued and I need to pick up the next book because the story definitely ends on a very clean note. Like our problems have been solved. Hunt is free. There's obviously an edge to that. But for the most part, everyone's alive and well and gates have been closed. It stands alone really well. And then you got that little epilogue of like, oh, shit. Where are we going? We'll find out, though. I'll find out. We'll be back next week and we'll find out. (laughs) Well, we've hit our ending. So you know what that means. It is time to laugh, cry, and barf. And for anyone who is new to our podcast, we do a segment called Laugh, Cry, Barf, where we choose a moment that made us laugh, that made us cry, and that made us barf. And when we say barf, that can mean a lot of things. It could be that something grossed us out. It could be that something was really upsetting. It could be that we cried so hard, we felt nauseous. It's whatever we want it to be. Emotionally barfing is really a state of mind, but it is also sometimes a physical reaction. We have never technically barfed. Not yet. But we have felt real bad in our bodies. So that's where we put all of those beautiful (laughs) moments. (laughs) So welcome to Laugh, Cry, Barf. Okay. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. I'm going to give my laugh to Hunt angrily calling Isaiah and saying, right until her pet chimera just appeared next to me at dawn, bit me in the ass for looking like I was dozing off and then vanished again, right back into the apartment, just as Quinlan came out of her bedroom and opened the curtains to see me grabbing my own ass like a fucking idiot. Do you know how sharp a chimera's teeth are? That was definitely on my His list whole as well. Rant. And like he kept going. He can be a ranter. He can be a ranter. Made me die. I'm going to give my cry to Bryce screaming, there are children here, there are babies, and then Ethan responding. But those two lines, that just upset me to no end. You know, I'm going to give my barf to when Hunt's wings got taken off. That was pretty horrible. Yeah, that was just terrible. How about you? What's your laugh cry barf? I mean, I would definitely agree with you for my laugh with Syrinx. Maybe with this, because I do agree with a lot of yours. I'll pull up some other scenes that maybe okay. we haven't touched on. So I would also give a laugh to Hunt snooping in her closet mm-hmm. when he found Jelly Jubilee, <laughs> but he thought that there were sex toys in the sparkly box. Yeah. And then he was very aware of where she kept them in her room. Also, her talking about how Jelly Jubilee looks so delicious that she took a bite. I'm like, that might be the most relatable thing ever. That's how you you learn that that's you how you learn as a things. child you're like this is purple and glittery this must taste good and then it never does sometimes you have to go to the hospital <laughs> sometimes you have to call poison control i'm gonna give my cry because i think we've touched on all of my other cry moments mm-hmm. and there are a shit ton on There's my list so many i'm going to give it to bryce calling hunt with her list of goodbyes in yes. the climax scene so her saying call my mom and tell her i love her and i get all my strength from her tell randall that i 
I'm just so proud that I got to call him my father. To Juniper, thank you for that night rune that she forgave him a long time ago and didn't want to take anything away from him. And then she tells Hunt, I was waiting for you. And he Uh, says, I was waiting for you too. Lost it. That's so good. Lost it. That is the correct response is to lose it. Yeah. And I did. And for my barf, we didn't touch on the scene, but it really made me want to emotionally hurl when Bryce goes into the bakery on Danica's birthday and she Mm. gets the croissants and the asshole pack has written trash on them. Yeah. That struck a chord with me that enraged me and made me feel so ill that it was just the culmination of all of the shit that Bryce has put up with Mm -hmm. and dealt with. And the fact that this is Danica's group that's doing this. Yeah, it's the wolves. It's the wolves. And she's getting this because it's Danica's birthday. I felt so sick. There was a lot of barf energy for me. There was. In this book. Even when they played the recording of Danica and the pack dying, there was a very high level of just barf going on. Like a lot of times I only have one or two. I had like five barfs. Same. And don't even get me started on Cyrinks in that tank. Yeah. Don't. So that is my laugh cry barf. That's been Laugh Cry Barf today. It's always really fun. (laughs) Which leads us right into Rapid Fire. It does. Megan. Yeah. Rapid Fire. Favorite character. Bryce. Favorite relationship. Bryce and Hunt. Mm -hmm. But I also liked Therian and everyone. And with Crescent City, we decided instead of doing favorite assassin moment like we did for Throne of Glass, we're going to do favorite badass moment. And that can mean whatever we want it to mean, like we did with the assassin. We don't keep to rules. We don't. So, Megan, favorite badass moment. For me, I'm giving it to Bryce when she picked up the Godslayer rifle because Mm -hmm. that was the starting point of killing Micah and then going out into the street and doing everything that she did. That's a good one. Favorite villain or antagonist? Micah, because he's a dick. But I enjoyed him being on the page and I loved his ending. He had a very strong intro. He did. She's like, he smells like sex and rain. And like all of these whimsical words where I'm like, this is a hilarious entry where she's like, he's disgustingly attractive. And he's horrible. And he's terrible. But it was interesting to read all about him. And for Date, Mary Kill, we're going to do some of our antagonists. So Megan, Date, Mary Kill, The Autumn King. Sabine and Micah. Um, For the record, I don't want any of these people. But that's not the game. I think I'm going to have to kill Micah mm-hmm. because bigger picture, I feel like he's the worst. I mean, like Bryce already did it for you. Your hands can be clean of that. I guess I would marry the Autumn King and date Sabine. Mm-hmm. I could interchange them. But at least we got a little bit of an insight into that the Autumn King did love Ember. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a good love, but there's something there. He wanted to make her queen. And I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Sabine to push her into that position. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Okay. Okay, Your turn. Favorite character. Bryce. Favorite relationship. Obviously Bryce and Hunt. But I will add Hunt and Sirings. Like that tickled me to no end. Sirings loving Hunt. That just made me giggle. Favorite badass moment. I'm going to give it to her fighting in the streets with a gun and a sword. Yes. Like the combo. This is the beauty of the urban fantasy. We get both. Really satisfying. That's very stressed, but it was very <laughs> fun. A favorite antagonist or villain. You know, I don't know if this technically falls into the category, but I am going to give it to the nuke. 
he needed to go because him smiling at the glass and being so mad because she's not paying attention to him mm-hmm. he was creeping me out and me he, too he was just so upsetting to me and i think i just get triggered by the creatures in stories sure. more than the people because he's horrifying and there was too much intelligence but it doesn't talk yeah. and i know in other books i've said that it upsets me when they do talk mm-hmm. so like i don't have an answer for what i do want i didn't like the line where she was like he's smiling like he knows something that we don't <laughs> every every time it was like oh he's smiling i just wrote my notes he's gotta go he's got to go <laughs> jessica why like why <laughs> Because everyone else, I'm like, oh, you guys are just terrible. You're power hungry. You think people are less than what they are. Typical villain. But with that thing, I'm like, go to hell. Get out of here. Get out of here. You're (laughs) grossing me out. You're upsetting me and you're scaring me now. (laughs) Okay. And lastly, on a lovely note, date, Mary kill Micah, the Autumn King and Sabine. I'm also going to kill Micah. You know, I think I will also marry the Autumn King and then date Sabine because the Autumn King has a big house and I can just avoid him. Yeah. I don't think he'd want anything to do with me. I don't have to interact with you. (laughs) I can just live in a nice house and have your money where I think Sabine, if we didn't get along, she's vicious. She'd come for me and I just want to be left alone with my money. Well, great. (laughs) Leave Leave me alone alone with my money. (laughs) Well, we did it on that note. Our house and our piles of cash. <laughs> we did it. We did it. I absolutely adored this book. Oh, me too. There is so much that we didn't talk about that I absolutely adored. I have many questions going forward. I hope they get answered. I just love luxuriating in every single moment of the romances, the friendships, all the tiny little moments that just make my brain happy and fuzzy and or upset and wanting to die. I, in all sincerity, was ready to reread it Mm -hmm. the moment I finished. And like you, I just loved every moment of it. I was so wonderfully surprised by all of the things, especially coming off of Throne of Glass. I could not imagine myself getting attached to another couple that strongly, mm-hmm. even like another heroine yeah. to an extent, because we just came off of so many incredible heroines. And my God, I fell in love with Bryce. I fell yeah. in love with Hunt. I can't wait to see what the next books have in store for the other characters to get mm-hmm. to know them better. I'm so excited to just go pick up the next book and read it. Absolutely. I'm a happy reader. <laughs> I'm a happy 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 reader (laughs) so thank you all for tuning in today thank you to our patrons for being with us as always for starting this new series i know many many of you were very sad to leave throne of glass behind just like us but we hope you are just as excited and loving crescent city just as much as us going forward for our regular listeners we were so happy to have you here today if you want to join us on patreon again the link is in the show notes we will be coming back next week on patreon with Crescent City, House of Sky and Breath, potentially in two parts. You guys know how we are. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. We were really pushing the limits just doing this one in one episode. So we'll probably be coming back with two parts. Feel free to send us your questions and only for House of Sky and Breath. Megan and I have not read the third Crescent City. So if you have read it, please no spoilers whatsoever. But we would love to hear your questions for this book, for House of Sky and Breath, 
fifth. And then once we read the third, we'll check in with your questions and your thoughts and all of that. Then we are very much protecting our peace. Yes. Being on the internet, my screen time is down a lot because <laughs> I'm avoiding social media and all the spoilers that I know are lurking around the dark corners there. Yes. And for our regular listeners, if you would like to see what we are coming back with next week, go ahead and check the show notes. We're doing something a little different because of popular demand, mm-hmm. uh, something that has been requested of us. So we're going to listen to the people and have a fun little special episode. Yeah. So thank you so much all for being here today. For our normal listeners, remember to rate, review and subscribe. And we cannot wait to see you back here next week. So until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.